city of Corvosa, largest in Varesia, greatest of the Chalaxian colonies. Her past rulers had never sat easily upon the Crimson Throne, but now a spark of change burns through our city. For good or for ill, let us see what is written in the cards. My name is Zalara Zendane. I am a Harrow Reader from West Dock. I am also dead. This is not my story, nor even the story of the heroes who would rise to defend our city in the days to come. Rather, it is the story of Corvosa. Sugarfueled Gamers, in association with RPGMP3.com, present Curse of the Crimson Throne, a Paizo Adventure Path. Episode 2. Voice of the editor here. We had a couple of one-off guests who wanted to see what a game of D&D was about. So that's the voices you can occasionally hear in the background from the peanut gallery making comments. They'll be around for the duration of this episode only. So when last we left our... Citizens? Citizens of Corvosa, (laughs) you are not yet heroes. Yeah, Um, yes. We had done the introductions of the prologues, and everyone had met the charming crime lord, Catherine Lamb, yeah, uh, who began charming. by kicking a small child's ribs until they broke, and then leaving her to die. And amazingly enough, it went downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> it went downhill from there. Um, we are now beginning episode two, <clears throat> Reflections by Firelight. I won't bother naming them all, but this one I named. Oh, it's going to Firelight. It's going to doesn't it? Um... So we did the previous prologues um, jumping back from campaign start to six years ago to four years ago to etc, etc, etc. What we are now cutting to is a sudden jump cut from where we last left our, our characters to now two months before campaign begins. Oh. And what we are going to be doing is cutting in on what you're all presently doing with you getting opportunities to muse and flashback on what it is that you were doing that has brought you from prologue to here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think on the whole, uh, we will start this with Adam. So, Garen. Uh, Garen. We, sorry, Garen? Yeah. Garen. 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 Garen, when last we left you... Gadrin Lamb, uh, your awesome apprentice, Griff, had stolen a bunch of dr- drugs from Gadrin Lamb, and then Gadrin had broken into your shop in retaliation and broken all of your arms and legs and burnt your shop down with you in it. Yep. And when we last saw your character, you were caught in the fire on the bottom floor, the smith burning around you, the top floor collapsing in, and all the armour and, th- and stuff crashing down to your head, quite certainly killing you. And yet now the camera pans in, you are clearly alive. Um, it is a... I believe it is... I can't remember where it's a bright summer's day or the other thing. <laughs> oh. Is this what you're supposed to No, that's mine. No. Oh, okay. Now abject garbage and you may hurl it in the bin. Yeah, that was just a note for me. You can see it's written on the back. What? Your note. Yeah, saying that I need to give another try. Yeah, so I can't remember if I wasn't good enough at acrobatics and athletics yet. (laughs) 
I believe it is spring at this point. One and a half elves. So okay. Actually, after that, I should probably now begin by reading the uh, article of the three-headed chimera that I oh, pronounced last week. Didn't actually read out to the, to the benefit of those with ears. Uh, so this is today's newspaper, basically. And in fact, we will we will cut to Garen. You are in Garen. Sorry, just keep correcting me. I'll get it eventually. Garen, you are outside. <laughs> You are outside in you're basically in a cafe or a tavern or something in that neighborhood. Um, near to the Academy of High Wizardry, near to where you are making a delivery to today, uh, Wintrish and Pinklewink's wondrous potion store. Uh, who have requested a bunch of um, I believe the pronunciation is almanacs, those crushy grindy things. Yeah. Um, made of metal and that sort of thing, which you have made and either are going to deliver to them after lunch or have delivered to them and are now having lunch, depending on your work ethic. Mm-hmm. One of the two. Um, either way, you are sitting there, either you are reading or near you is the local paper so that we can zoom in and see it. And I will read this and then we will cut back to what Garen is doing. Yeah, you got it right. Uh, so the three-headed chimera, as I vaguely said last last session several weeks ago um, that is written by three different anonymous reporters, the lion, the goat and the snake, the lion being sort of the pro-upper class viewpoint the goat being the lower class viewpoint and the snake being the cynically pessimistic depressive viewpoint. <laughs> That's not even a class but I like it <laughs> um, and the, the headline reads local beauty named king's artist. It says today King Eardred officially named his court artist Midtown's Trinia Sabor, a previously undiscovered talent who has been appointed to paint the king's official portrait. The process is expected to take some months. It reads, The Lion says, Our glorious King Eardred deserves whatever he pleases on his birthday, for the Saffron King has given us given so many gifts to our city. We look forward to our promised lighthouse repairs almost as much as gazing upon the works of Miss Sabor. The Goat says, isn't it interesting that the king's choice of artist is an attractive woman a third of his age? Not content to merely force us to endure Queen Iliosa's complaints of orphans robbing her blind, the Sturge King now whiles away many hours, and thousands of our taxpayers' gold pieces, to closet himself with this new woman for quote-unquote art. Uh, and the snake says, King Eadred does not look well. Lies will be needed to paint him looking lively since his health grows worse by the day. There's a picture of Trinius of War there, who is indeed a young, attractive, early 20s woman. Uh, Edred is 70 or 70-ish at this point. Um, and the second article says, Shudder blamed for mysterious death. In other art news, Salvatore screams disturbing works and resulted in a death in his gallery in Old Corvosa. The unknown victim was seen drinking a green vial, claimed by Scream to be the drug Shudder, followed by the victim breaking down in tears before clutching at his heart and collapsing. The Corvosan Guard reiterates they will pay street value for any citizen bringing forth Shiver or Shudder, no questions asked. That's well, really of course, it, what Griff's master plan was based on. Yeah, the, the, that's really just enhancing the drug trade because you can sell you can sell them to the, the cops in addition to selling them on the on the street. And of course, some of the cops will sell them back onto the street. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't seem like a good way to get drugs off the street. At some point, no, it's, it's not quite as good an idea to say a buyback for guns. Yeah. <laughs> drugs are. You're assuming, you're, you're assuming, however, that they can move them to the guard 
insufficient numbers to make the same profit without um, actually... Um, yeah, oh, I see. You, re- you reckon if the same citizen is always bringing in shit yes. out of the garden, like, no, the name and address? Well, you know, if you're bringing 300 vials of it weekly... Yeah. You're probably a supplier, or no a supplier. Or could be... <laughs> Who, who persuaded to divulge a supplier with the right persuasion. No, the, the intent behind the policy is that this stuff is killing people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if they can remove it from the streets, it will stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in any case, Garen. Yes, you got it right. right. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> three years You are sitting in a cafe. Drinking, drinking and eating whatever it is that you are drinking or eating. Yep, good hearty breakfast. No dwarf bread because that doesn't exist in this universe. Oh, Stone of stone. Stone of stone, rather. <laughs> we can make it exist. I see more as it, it's breakfast, so I'd say mead. Mead. So it's, it's kind of like Adam with Mountain Dew, except so it's you with alcohol now. You've got your mug of mead there, and you are looking, sort of looking vaguely into it, daydreaming slightly. The sun is glinting down overhead, reflecting in the mead. It ripples and creates the illusion of a shimmering of heat for a moment. And we see Garen's eyes go, go glazed for a moment as you are thinking back, back, back. <laughs> and you are lying on the ground, your arms and legs broken at each joint in horrible pain. Your smithy is burning down around you, and there is no way you can crawl out. You are endeavouring to sort of shuffle your shoulders as best you can, but this is about as much as you can move. Then there is the. From overhead, as the second floor gives way under the weight, under the heat and the weight, the wood burns through, and a huge pile of stuff falls down on you. Oh, brilliant! Uh, a a breastplate that you have been working on, um, and a number of the tools and metal pieces you had sitting around. It was basically sitting up there, fitted fitted on a mannequin dummy, waiting for some more metal work the next day. Uh, it is a breastplate that you were in fact making for a passing a, a passing adventure requested by the Church of Samurai. Yeah, nice. Goddess of the Dawn. And you see this, you, you're just lying there thinking, I'm going to die. <laughs> and the breastplate falls down and you see the, the one mark of ornamentation that you have gotten down it before you gave up for the day, which is basically the symbol of the sun, the Dawnflower sign. And it lands, miraculously doesn't fall and just crush your face. It seems to, by sheer chance, fall around you, go tink, ricochet off something else on the floor, and then fall sideways next to you without crushing you. You are spared. Now, in about seven minutes, you will die from the fire instead of crushing. (laughs) Hopefully not with despair. And even with my arms and legs broken... The gods are still telling me to get my bloody work done. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty of pain. Start smacking it. That's <laughs> called smithing less. There's a difference. Hitting things is what that boy does. And you watch the fire creep closer and closer. 
It is now basically engulfed all the outer walls. The building is creeping closer and closer towards you. And you look around. You look over and there in the shiny mirrored image of the inside of the breastplate, the armor seems to be reflecting very strangely. There's, it's like there's something in there loosely made of the illusion of flame. A very crude shape of a person, perhaps. A face, maybe, but flickering in and out. Indistinct, blurry. And you stare into this and lose yourself for half a moment. And when you glance back to see how close the flames are, <coughs> they've stopped. They are burning in a circle around you. Stopping maybe two meters away, you can still feel their heat, but fire has stopped advancing across the floor. Is it like a perfect circle? Uh, it is not, in fact, a perfect circle. As you look at it, it is bent in at various points. Oh. And this probably doesn't make a lot of sense from your point of view, but the camera pans above you, and it is burnt in this sort of sun-shaped image around you. Survey. <laughs> 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 Subtlety, not anything. <laughs> wow. Although she is dealing with a dwarf, so... <laughs> and you can see that vague flickering light in the armour, and then there is a voice sounding like it is from far away, warping and warbling and echoing off the metal. Garin. Garin. You have seen today the dark heart of Corvosa. This city is full of enemies within and without. You could have stood aside and let them have the boy. It would have spared you this cruel fate. But you have chosen to set your hammer against the city's enemies. And so I have seen your heart in the blaze of the firelight. And so I have chosen to set my path beside yours. I am the Dawnflower, the light against the shadows. Corvosa needs someone who can walk surrounded by shadows and yet remain in the light. Many champions can stand alone, hold to their moral hold to their moral standards, and do as they please. To compromise where they must is a far harder thing. And only the greatest can do that. Corvosa has need of you. The day will not come soon, but it will come. Corvosa will sink into darkness before the dawn comes. I need those who can walk amongst the shadows, work with them, work around them, and yet remain untouched by them. Whatever you decide, the fire will not touch you this day. But I cannot speak for the days to come. Will you take up my arm? Will you protect the boy? His choices are his own. I will do what I can. That's good enough for me. Ugh. I start crawling towards the breastplate. You sort of 
flip and roll slightly towards it, you get one broken arm up onto it, and it just gets pulled and tilts back across you and basically falls across your face and your body, and you hear back, then you are called by the door, and then you pass out. (laughs) And then we cut back to you in the cafe thinking about this, and of course it's now been, I think, two years since this incident. Yeah. Um, your business basically burned flat to the ground. Literally, what was left of it was that vague, se- several pillars and that sort of thing, and that vague sunflower shape and stuff like the anvil that wouldn't burn. And you had to actually basically work your ass off for the last two years. Your business is now back up, rebuilt, and running again. It's actually better than ever. This has made you stronger because that's what your trade gives you as a bonus to your craft skill. So Gadrin doing this has actually made you better. (laughs) Just to spite him. Just to spite him. And then, as you were looking into your drink, thinking about this, you hear a cry from up in the street somewhere. Fire! Fire! And then we cut away from there. Oh dear. Nice. Um, uh, Mordell. Yeah. Or Silver Rose, as it were. Probably Mordell right now. Um, he doesn't become Silver Rose until he's good. It is two day, uh, three days after the last time we saw you. No pressure. <laughs> um, you stormed out of the academy, refusing yeah. to blame your Shawante friend. Yeah. Um, and your mother said, you know, you're going to ruin your life. You're going to ruin your life. This is not behaviour suitable for a Mandravius. <laughs> and you basically stormed off in a pitched fit. Yeah. Um, realised uh, several hours later that you had no plan. Yeah. Um, you have no current idea where Nakota is because yeah. he went off elsewhere to get away from your mother. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and at this stage, where yeah. you were living together was the academy. So yeah. you, you have no current method of contacting him. You yeah. have to find him again later. Um, but you've stormed off in a blue fit. Um, and it's about three days later now, and you haven't eaten for three days because when you go home, the doors are locked. <laughs> <laughs> the locks have been—you have keys, of course, but the locks have been changed. You stormed off in a huff. You didn't take any of your stuff from the academy. And the servants will tell you that you—you know—you you, that only Mandraviuses are permitted in this home. Are you in fact a Mandravius? And you no. But actually, as it turns out, you're now finding out, being noble born, that food doesn't just appear when you're hungry. (laughs) Like, people want you to pay for it, and and you've got a handful of copper pieces in your pants lining kind of thing that you were stormed out with. And shit, what am I going to do? You, the, the only thing you can think of, you can't get back into your mother's house, is there is one of those high society parties that you were supposed to be going to. Yeah. And there will be a fancy meal there. Oh. Mm. <laughs> mm. I wonder if I could, if I had any talents to get in besides my last name. <laughs> well, you could always hope your mother hasn't changed the invitation. <laughs> Well, okay, so you're suggesting I might perhaps would like to partake in this party. No, I was suggesting you might like to eat. Yeah. <laughs> well, eating's very good. You're, you're welcome to decline the, to decline the plot book oh, and continue I, making four sides with this. I will cast facilitation and clean my outfit, because I can use that whenever the heck I want. Yes. 
And um, it is actually quite a nice outfit because it's yeah. what you left the academy. Yeah. Um, so I, I might. Do I need to dress up for it? Like more than I already am? Not significantly so. But I do need to dress up a little bit. Uh, generally, what you depending on your fashion styles, you might wear more jewels or that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would generally at least like shower and shave and all that sort of thing. But that's what magic's for. Yeah, I just the first of the I'm fine for the next few hours. Um, Suppose yeah. I really could shave you. Yeah. yeah. Well, as a half elf, you might not grow much facial hair anyway. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, probably not. You're a very gay half elf. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. It plucks so his eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It plucks his eyebrows. Eyebrows are pretty. You're just saying he's gay because he's got rainbow hair. <laughs> I am fake saying that. And pretty lips. <laughs> <laughs> and Rolf liked him. The, 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 <laughs> yeah, that's a soulful face. <laughs> And who knows if Rolf can even recognise gender in humans. <laughs> are we on the south of the continent? I'm just checking this. Yes, yes you are, actually. Oh, right. You're, you're actually in the southernmost tip of the Parisian continent. Oh, run our boy, run. Hey, <laughs> old y'all. Oh. Okay. And there goes our US audience. <laughs> well, if, them, if, if they haven't left from listening to the world's most wondrous video, they go on If they put up with uh, 50 sessions of my doing Pittsburgh stuff without knowing where Pittsburgh is, <laughs> anyway, so what's the plan, young Mordell? Um, okay, so I'm going to stake out the place, and I'm going to go in with rainbow hair. Okay. And I'm going to give myself a makeover with magic. You see, um, you, you, know, you see exactly what you're expecting to see—a fancy noble house, noble yeah. manor, garden party, lots of servants running around. Um, there are several people slowly filing in. Um, the camera will briefly catch two of them, uh, Septimus Vidal and Lucindriel. You're still married mm. at this stage, obviously. Right. This is, this oh, is really? about eight months prior to his mysterious death. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, the timeline's are we, we, we just fell over and died, but we were totally <laughs> on the other side of the world. It was a natural cause. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... Are you going to head in the main entrance where all the party guests are going, or do you to get in in another fashion? Um, am I sneaky? Uh, I'm not sneaky, shit. Um, <laughs> I have acrobatics. <laughs> I can jump. You backflip it together. It is a walled garden. So yeah. You could indeed vault the wall. If you yeah, decide. okay, yeah. I'll, I'll vault the wall. Okay, can you roll me an acrobatics check? <laughs> Right, well, athletics is because it's jumping. <laughs> this is my first time in like years I've used a D20. You don't have your spear. Huh? You don't have your spear. Yeah, I don't have my no. spear D6 in this, in this campaign. I, I got a natural 10 plus 7. Uh, no, I'm. No, uh, you don't, don't, do have, I have, I don't, you have, don't have, have your totem spear. Okay, no, so that's, that's plus 7, so 17. Okay, so you look at this. Do I even touch uh, the wall? And <laughs> You vault over the wall. It is a mid-high wall. It's designed for vague security as well as appearance. So you scramble over the top of it, land on the other side, Mm -hmm. um, and you have jumped around, assuming you're doing this the vaguely intelligent way, you've jumped around the back where the party isn't, instead of leaping into the middle of the guest. And then you walk around into it. Oh, I can just walk straight into it, can I? Yeah, it's a garden party. So it's outside. It's around the front there. (laughs) All right. Um, I will, I'll take a couple of hors d'oeuvres while like I go a, around There's and a guard at the gate, but that's what you bypassed by going yes. back and jumping the yeah. wall. This is why I have jumping powers. <laughs> okay, so I will grab some food and a, a glass of wine and I will blend in. Yep. <laughs> uh, can you roll me a bluff check? A bluff? Yes. That is a thing I can do. do I have... 
I have... Oh, that wasn't as good as a roll. That's a 17 as well. Of course you belong here. Yeah. You just put on <laughs> your... Yes. You, you see, a, cu- a couple of the servants will actually glance, strain, glance sideways at you in your rainbow here, and you see a couple of guests look at you, and it's the sort of party where you would recognise most of them vaguely, mm. you know, to vaguely place the face... Not or the, the servants, or just the name important or, people. Yeah, just important people, obviously. The name or the title or something in that neighbourhood. And they would probably do the same to the so They sort of look at you and they sort of go... Do I know that guy? Does does he belong? Yeah, he like and and you Andreviously. You sneer down your nose at them. And I absolutely belong. They are pleased. Okay. And so you treat yourself to the hors d'oeuvres of the party and oh, oh, he's very civilized, eating yeah. like a noble gentleman. You're not scarfing it <laughs> down. I, I, I'm not scarfing, but I haven't eaten in three days. Yes, yeah, but you do actually <laughs> empty several plates of hors d'oeuvres. Yeah. Um, I'm the reason the servants need to be coming back all the time. <laughs> yeah, you're always wondering who did it at this yeah. party, and in this case, the answer and is totally then you out. hear the then you hear the maitre d at the front of the gate mm-hmm. announcing Lady Octavia Mandravius <laughs> and Lord Tanith Mandravius. <laughs> Eyes widen. <laughs> and coming in through the front entrance towards the to, towards the garden are your mother and your father. Oh, striding in the Imperial March plays as she walks I, in. I, I, will, <laughs> I, I, I will find a, a just slightly discreet corner to kind of... Hmm. Munch, 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 munch. That's <laughs> <After> your stealth. <laughs> My stealth is not... Oh, it's a dex. Okay. I've got plus one. So there, there is plenty of space to move back yeah. away from the party into yeah. a discreet back end of the garden. I'll just, I'll just keep an eye on what's going you, on. You've been to a few of these things before. You know there are places you can slip off to to have a, you know, trist in the bushes, essentially. Yeah. Um, and you slip off, and you're just sort of sitting there thinking, stomach's almost but not quite sated, wondering yeah. if you want to go back out there, knowing your mother's out there. Yeah. And... Then you hear a sharp voice coming towards you, and when you, you're sort of basically lurking in the bushes at this yeah. point, and when you look out, um, there are two people you recognise. Uh, you would have met Lord, you met Lord Septimus Fidel before, and yeah. you've met him several more times in the intervening at various events. Yeah, and he's an asshole, but everyone's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and up to you, you might or you you would recognise Lucy as the person you had seen before, up mm. to you whether or not you'd have followed events enough to know she's his wife at this point. Mm. I'd probably know that she's his wife. Yeah. yeah. Probably been announced in the noble nobility's yeah. noble. Distance. Told everyone and their dog. You <laughs> see the two of them are, are walking arm in arm like this. And Septimus looks over his shoulder, he sees they've left the main party behind, and then he seizes her by the wrist like this and squeezes quite tightly and starts pulling her along. How dare you speak to Lord Drake in that fashion without looking to me for permission first? That is not the behaviour I expected Lady Septimus Fidel. Are we going to have to gently correct you again, squeeze? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't mean to. You're sorry. What, Lucindriel? Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm sorry. I. I didn't. I didn't behave properly. I'm. I'm sorry. Some days I wonder why I <coughs> bothered to marry you. You can't even perform simple tasks. 
and the weight gain is a serious issue. He looks you up and goes, you're thin as a piece of marble and absolutely gorgeous. This sort of behaviour at a party is simply not good enough. Squeeze again. She squeezed, but she tried not to. Yeah. And he, when you make the little sort of high pitch yeah. noise, he glares at you. Someone will hear that. If you can't keep your mouth shut, then I'll do it for you. And puts the one hand on the wrist, other hand on the mouth over there. What's uh, he doing with that? Uh, he's squeezing her wrist and doing this with her hand to stop her screaming loudly enough to be heard by other people. What do you want to do about this, if anything? And as you see this, you place the two of them immediately, and you remember the last time you saw the party, yeah. and you were like, oh, I should step in there, maybe. No, looks like yeah. too much effort. <laughs> no, I think my character was just a little bit more of a of an immature brat back then, because he sees it a lot in parties and stuff like that, where where, where people are, are assholes to their, their spouses, depending on which one's the more, the richer of the two, whether, whether one of them's got the power or the... Mm. The husband or the wife has got the power or the other Last time, last time you've seen Lucy, like, she was actually not, yeah, they were just dancing, so. Yeah, it was was kind of a bit more of a social situation. This one's kind of separated and his true colours are starting to come out. With how dominating he's been, he may be starting to remind you of your mother. So what are you going to do? Hmm. Oh no, his mother's emotionally abusive, not physically. Yeah, 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 no. um, A type of control. Septimus is both emotionally and physically physically. And we're all glad he's dead. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to think of what what um, what I'd walk in for. Um, Because, I mean, obviously this is is starting to seem like the kind of situation that'll lead down the road where um, somebody could... um, So I'm just wondering whether or not I I tie this up to how he feels about what happened to his girlfriend or... um, you're looking for an opening line to Yeah, I'm looking for an opening. He pulls her off towards one of the basically hard stone walls, thumps her back against it, and is basically holding her by the mouth. At this point, you can see he's actually choking her as well. He's oh. got the hand over the mouth, blocking yeah, off the airway. And she's crying. And yeah, okay. Just you, obviously helpless. You are, e- you are easily and trivially replaceable, Lucentriel. You need to remember that. The next lady, Septimus Bunnell, is out there somewhere. If you would have had an accident at this party, no one would even notice. Okay, I think that's probably my opening at that point. She's obviously scared. Um, so, so um, Mordell, as he is at the moment, is happens to be standing by a rose bush with white with white roses on it, <laughs> and he is going to pluck one of the roses off. Um, let me see, what am I going to say? Jeez, uh, oh, I don't know what it's like. It's like a nice and shiny armor. WWTMT, Susan. What would Tuxedo Mask do? Tuxedo Mask would just throw a rose at him. Do it. Do it. Yeah, actually, probably he'll start with that. <laughs> <laughs> just throws a, throws a 
throws at him and it, it gets him like probably in the air or something. Can you make me throw it? Boink. Your ranged attack roll. Oh, my ranged attack roll. Um, roll a so dice and add your base attack and add your. That's 11 plus 1, one plus, plus my dex, which is 1, so that's 13. 13. Okay. So he's basically got the one hand here, one hand over the mouth. Yeah. And then he's got on, um, <laughs> he, he, he's got on essentially, because he's a very jewellery based guy, he's got yeah. rings in every finger, he's got the, he hasn't got big thick pimp chains, but he's got yeah, lots he's of got... subtle gems around with a necktie yeah. and all this sort of thing. And what he actually has on also is a little circlet, not quite a crown up here, and this Something comes arcing out and goes, tink! <laughs> out of the top of it. And it. It's probably a mark of his self-control that he doesn't react sharply to this. In fact, he doesn't even let you go. His head just snaps round and tracks the bushes to see where this came from. And yeah. are you hiding or standing openly? Oh, I'm, I'm standing openly. I, I, I think you'll I think you'll find that the, the walls have ears, sir. He looks at you, takes in the bearing and immediately, you know, lets his, let, his hands just gent, probably just gently slide yeah. off the and I totally yeah. in in fact, my what, life kind what, of he, way. what he does is excuse yeah. me. He sort of takes the hand off and gently strokes down the cheek. <laughs> there, there, there. There's nothing you need there's nothing you need to worry about. Stop your crying. Your family is perfectly fine. <laughs> and then he looks back round to you, you know, concern writ on his face. Young man, are you often in the habit of throwing flowers at your elders' betters? Today I am. You've, you've found a, a jewel in the rough, sir. And... That is not a way that you would treat a lady such as her. She deserves somebody far more gentler. Oh. <laughs> but she doesn't pick the words. Yeah, pick your ass. She doesn't yeah. pick the words. No. So how does, how does he react to that? He stares at you yeah. like a bug on his shoe, like he can't believe the impertinence. Mm-hmm. I mean, you are hitting on his wife, right yeah. in front of him. Mordell, he will do as he chooses. <laughs> in the seven hells, do you think you are? Hmm, I haven't thought of that actually. Silver Rose my, is my name. <laughs> I don't recall hearing that no, that name before. I don't think you're the sort of man who belongs at this party, Silver Rose. What are you, some sort of blackjack wannabe? Saving damsels in distress? <laughs> oh, don't give him ideas. <laughs> oh, no. Good sir, if you wish it to be, I'll be your worst nightmare. Oh! Susan, you've got to have a five for that one. That was an excellent one. Listen, Drill, do pay attention. This is about the point where you are going to where you were going to see a lesson dealt about learning your place. And he steps forward. He does actually have a rapier on, which is not terribly unusual as the prime sort of their ability. And he reaches for it like he's going to throw down with you. Uh, And at this point, you can either... Take this in whatever direction. He he sort of starts vaguely reaching his hand towards the hilt of his rapier. Mm -hmm. 
Are you going to wait to see what happens? Oh, be intimidated no. by <laughs> Hell no. I've got a pretty woman here and I've already made some moves. Um, my, 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 what are my options for stopping him right this very second? Like, um, you can I mean, shove him directly into the rose bush before he draws on you. Or into a nearby fountain. There's got to be a nearby fountain. <laughs> but the rose bush is rose themed. That's unfortunate. But then he damages the roses. Point. Um, but the, 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 the fountain could also have beautiful architecture on it, so we've yeah. got to take that in consideration. He's not that hard. Well, yes, he is that hard headed, but I don't think he can hurt the architecture. Okay, um, I think what I'll end up doing is I'll pin him to the wall through his mouth and I will do an intimidation. Yep. Because, like, if I'm going to have intimidation, I'm going to, I'm also start using it. The rules has Um, what am I going to say? I've got a suggestion at this point, because, like... You can physically overpower him pretty easily. He's a 60-year-old man who is quite sick. You're not going to get the girl at this party, because we know this story doesn't end with you going home with Lysindriel tonight. But he was threatening to kill her when nobody was watching. So Mm -hmm. what you want to say is is possibly something along the lines of, you know, you're out there watching, and if, if he tries anything with her, you know, people will notice. Yeah. But you will notice. Okay, so, so... I'll, I'll, um... Yeah, I mean, remember, Fidal has a very good reputation as a businessman, so yeah. your reputation is quite important for him. Yeah. Um, <coughs> that's why he beats his wife private. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's why so, he does it discreetly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Discretion is important mm-hmm. when so one is a Fidel. He's probably going to slam him into the wall via his mouth um, and tell him, Keep an eye on the sh- um, keep an eye on the shadows, because I'll be watching you. If you lay another hand on her, I will take you down personally. And can you actually roll me an intimidate check? Intimidate. <laughs> actually That's not bad. <laughs> I remember the twenty. But you got pluses, right? Yeah, I got plus ten. So that's twenty on the other. Yeah. Right. That's, right. That's good. Well, that will be the difference between a pass and a fail. Yeah. Looks at you, um, you're not physically accosting him that much, you've just sort of got him pinned up by Oh, by the mouth. By the mouth, yeah, okay. So he's making sort of like, slight choked <coughs> noises, and his eyes go quite wide, and, and he goes quiet, and doesn't, <laughs> doesn't respond to this by telling you to piss off or anything of the sort. He, he just goes quiet and quite still in your arms and stops resisting and looks worried. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll hold the position for a little bit longer to make sure he knows that, that I mean business, and then I'll, I'll slowly release him, take a step back, and see what he does. He will <coughs> cough, sickly, clutch at his heart a little. I think we've all had a regrettable misunderstanding here. Lucindriel, if you will be kind enough to come, I feel like going back to the main party. Yeah, she picks his hand and then... And he leads her off quite gently. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you, you stand there looking very <laughs> smug, and about two minutes after they've left, a bunch of guards come around. <laughs> <laughs> look, at you, look at you and say, excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. 
I think you're lost. Falls <laughs> <laughs> out over the wall instead of going meekly out. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a new badass now. You, go <laughs> you can't be ru- bum rushed out the door. <laughs> That's it. Besides, your mother might notice if you get taken out by Yeah, it. yeah. That's not a problem, sir. Jumps over the table. <laughs> I'll, see my, I'll see myself out. Yeah, I'll see myself out. <laughs> see you later, suckers. <laughs> it, I, I it sort of as, as you vault over the wall. I'm sure there's a better party than this out there somewhere. Lucindriel, you are basically taken back out to the party. Septimus rests a little, then goes home fairly early, about an hour later. Um... The next week is actually really great. <laughs> it's really quiet. Yes. He's he's polite. He's sort of respectful. Um, you're still in a gilded cage. Yeah. yeah. But it's a good Life week. Life isn't as sucky as it normally is. Exactly. The next week is worse. Yeah. Oh. Shit. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you figured that... Once he gets his courage back, yeah. it's worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shit. Sorry. Oh, it's, it's okay. I tried. Yeah, a few more weeks and then. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Suddenly single. <laughs> Those who can wield negative energy don't need someone else to solve their relationship problem. And then we turn away from the scene back to the. Um, back to a street corner vaguely around Wintrish and Pinklewink's wondrous potions. Yeah. Which I'm going to pronounce very carefully every time. Um, we're oh. Sorry, not sorry. And, and we hear, and then I vaulted the wall, and Mordell is standing <laughs> on the street corner singing a stylized song about this incident, basically busking for cash with a hat out in front yeah. of him. <laughs> Dude's gonna eat. Dude's gonna eat. When you also hear a cry of fire, fire, and we cut away from there. Oh, the problem with the problem with half elves is their teenage years last for decades. (laughs) (laughs) What's it all to do? I'm actually my twenties, but teenagers same (laughs) stuff. Jeez, man, I'm so tuxedo miles. <laughs> you even had the prop. We will, yeah, uh, this is great. Come, <laughs> we will awesome. come away to Flora. Yes. Um, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is set um, after Jack has been severely beaten and healed and recovered. This is now a couple of weeks after that incident. Jack, you were actually here as well. Sweet. I bet it's um, Flora's yep. prologue thing. Um and Jack, you have had an unpleasant couple of weeks. Um, you you recovered more or less okay and very rapidly with Flora's help, and were able to go out and work the next day and hit ninety percent of quota, which only netted you a light beating. Yeah. Um, but both of you are now painfully aware that um, Flora slightly less so than Jack, but Jack is on pretty thin ice with Lamb. And Flora, over the last couple of years, you've seen enough kids go in the hole to recognise that um, your time is actually coming up. I'm 16. Yeah. So... Uh, This is... It was two years... Two years ago, yeah. So so you were 14. You you might have another year, you know, you might have two years, you might even have three with them. But 
at the end of the day, you know this is going to go south, and so you've been looking for an opportunity to get away from this. Um, but today has actually been a remarkably good day, um, because yesterday you, Jack, and some of the other urchins were doing a job, and as you'll probably do, they were basically burgling a house, while you were standing around the street corner dancing and making a loud spectacle of yourself and effectively busking as a loud distraction, as is your role on the team, because yep. once Lamb found out you couldn't pickpocket with a dam, he smacks you around a bit in the floor. We have a lovely abuse thing going on. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is more the start than, any, than a long Well, it's campaign. also the campaign is set in Gotham, so, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, fantasy Gotham. But yesterday, complete blind luck as opposed to anything else, a rotund, very drunken, wealthy-looking merchant stumbled past and says, You sing so pretty, you remind me of my daughter. And put in something like 50 gold coins into your hat. Oh, wow. Beautiful. Uh, Lamb, of course, immediately strikes 100% of it. Um, But he he was actually very pleased with that. And he says, and he he says, Hello, Poppy. Good work today, Good work today, Poppy. Nice job. Tomorrow, you, you and one of your little friends can have a special treat. Giggles. Take them out. Get them whatever they want. It costs five copper or less. Wow, five copper. <laughs> I'm gonna look at Jack and be like, "You're coming." <laughs> and Jack will smile. Smile. So the two of you are out the next oh, day yes. under the supervision of uh, you. You have two hours off. Yeah. Under the supervision of Giggles, the half orc. Yeah. Um, and Flora, you're sort of looking around vaguely, thinking like five copper is not. Uh, a pitifully small amount from what you're currently working with. You know, you could afford some nice sweet cakes or something like that. But as you're looking around, you go past a store, and there are some Harrow cards painted on it. And this should actually look familiar to the people who watch the prologue. And you think, it's been a long time since you've had a proper Harrow reading. A long, long time. And this is a pretty cheap, dingy-looking shop. You know, it would probably be cheap. You could probably get something. Do you like the Harrow reading? How's it? You told me about that, right? That's them cards that what tell your fortune. What the hell? This is your this is your treat. Yeah, let's give it a shot. Yeah, and you hit in, and there is a slightly CGI younger-looking version of Zalara's and Jane. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and there is a young man uh, maybe about maybe a couple of years older than you um, he'd be about 18 or so he sort of looks looks the two girls up and down as they come in he's kind of sweeping out the store smiles at you tips, tips his non-existent hat slightly continues brushing continues brushing and is more or less you know uh, in the corner pretending to sweep and checking out the girl, the pretty girls that have come there. And the woman behind the, the woman at the table looks up at you and she says, come in, come in. Have you come for a, have you come for a reading? Yes. Guess so. Well, I'd be happy to. They're five copper. They're only, only five copper a piece. That sounds about right. <laughs> Jack glances up at Giggles. Giggles. <laughs> Pulls out five copper coins and throws them at her. 
And she sort of looks up at him. Uh, you are disrupting the spiritual vibrations in this room. <laughs> she. I think it's only four copper, but there are some cheap ales across the street. <laughs> and he <laughs> picks up the coin, giggles. He never does anything but giggle. It's yeah. the name. And he sort of walks out of the shop, and you see him vaguely, he walks across to a street vendor, gets what must be like turpentine for a copper, <laughs> and starts drinking it out of a mustard, corroded mug. He's sort of leaning against the shop, he vaguely glances through the dusty window periodically to look at you. And... Such a bad influence. So I'll... Uh, please, sit. You know the art of, you know the art of the hammer, or shall I explain? I know my mother used to be a the the present and the future. <coughs> challenges to come, challenges that will be. What is lost and what can be found again. But let us show you what we see. And she starts laying out a bunch of cards for you and does... Like, you would recognise, you can go really hardcore into this, you can do a fairly cursory reading. This is a relatively cursory one, but you're paying four copper for it. And she lays out a couple of cards. She says, I see pain in your past. You have lost someone. You spoke of your grandmother, your parents. Did they die? I don't think so. They might be dead. I'm pretty sure I haven't just made that up. What's up with I'd be liking. <laughs> Perhaps, but I see. No. I think. This card is the lost when all is hopeless. But it is misaligned here. In its wrong position. What you think you have lost can be found again. The cards tell me you're surrounded by old lies. Your parents are not lost, nor is your grandmother. There is safety for you within the city. She deals out the next card. The carnival. I see bright wagons. Happy faces. Danger. But in Corvosa there is nowhere without danger. It is the thieves' camp across the Jigari River. It is calling to me. Your parents, they, they are there. And she looks at the cards, looks at the two of you, flips over, flips over the next card, and she says, the Rakshasa, a being whose mind dominates yours. His control is iron, but it can slip, even if just for a moment. Flips the next one, and, uh... <coughs> snake bite death this is the future that will be if it is not changed you must go from this rakshasa and you must go today tomorrow will be too late go to the thieves camp she looks out the window and giggles I understand 
hit me as hard as you can. Mm-hmm. I'll slap. I'll, I'll slap her, and I'll. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and she staggers away, and you can see her eyes starting to black up slightly from that. And and she says, she says "You overpowered me." I screamed for help about five minutes from now. This back door. Go, go. You take that, and I'm going to run. Yep. And I, I won't forget. We won't forget this lady. And the boy who's sort of been vaguely watching this bustles you to the back door and yep. sweeps you out. <laughs> the yep. And then leaves it swinging wide open in the wind. Um, and you rush off down the street. And about three minutes after this, you hear, "Help! Help!" <laughs> and you run out from here and the spinning what is it it was the pseudo dragon thrust at the screen and we see a little montage of two of you walking around the thieves camp talking to people where there's a large number of these bright Parisian tents and some people you know listen to your question they point down there and you can see an old, very grandmotherly woman who looks like she's coming out of the tent with the with the plate full of steaming cookies. Um, oh, mum. And <laughs> mum. A, and your mother and your father, who look a little older, a little wiser, and a little more serious than they did, who were just sitting around in front of the camp playing some sort of checkers-like game. They pointed out to you, and we see his arms go wide. They rush up. The two of them look up and <gasps> knock the table and the and the yeah. pieces all over. Rush up hug you and grandmother puts the cookies down calmly like she knew all along and then comes <laughs> <up> and <laughs> and she goes, a fortune teller and they're badass yeah. I'll prepare these I will yeah so Jack will just be just be standing around in the background but will um, smile nervously at the um, and then, large, large human adults <laughs> and then we cut away from that to somebody to present day Flora who is just exiting when Trish and Pickle Winkle's wondrous potions Having picked well, up a bunch of <laughs> basically cheap oils and supplies that you need yeah. for your your various healing and your readings and that sort of thing, incense and that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, you go here because this is where Jack's fence is. You know the people, you know, they deal fair. <laughs> Why not? Um, and as you are walking out, of course... Fire! Fire! Your family business is a fence. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, uh, Uncle Z. You remember Uncle Z? <laughs> Uncle Z is my fence. Yeah. Lucy. Yeah. Because he's one of the yes. few fences out there honest enough to give uh, uh, children full price. <laughs> we cut to... You You actually are not getting a flashback here. We cut to present day today. Fresh yeah. <laughs> um, out, of, out of murdering. And... Uh, in fact, it Sorry, comes... It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a slaughter of crows. It comes up. Present day, 45, no, minute, 45 minutes ago. <laughs> right. Um, and... The shop has a little clothes sign hanging over it, and you and Uncle Z are upstairs, little room above it. Now, where were you living? Are you living above the shop with uh, your mother, or um, are you living? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't think I can afford my own yeah. place. Okay, so she's often she's often one of the side rooms. Um, you can just vaguely, faintly hear her in the background talking to Gaius. You, you can, yeah, you can hear. You really think the blue flat is my eyes? Well, thank you, dear. And, you know, it sounds all lovey-dovey and happy, and then Z goes over and pulls the door, you know, push the door slightly jar, looks in, she's just sitting on the bed talking entirely to herself, yeah. not actually dressed in anything pretty either. I do like the blue, but do you think the red will be better for the garden party? 
as he shuts the door. In any event, it's time to continue with your lessons. It's best if Olivia doesn't hear us. Yes. Now, last time we talked about control. When you don't have control, things can get out of hand. Fire can spread. I've worked with sorceresses and sorcerers before. I understand that you feel that you're not in control. But you are. You are stronger than the magic within you. If you weren't, it would have already welled out and consumed you. Now, let's work on some of the basic exercises again. And he starts trying to yep. walk you through this. Uh, and can you make me uh, your yes. wild magic control check thingy? Yes. As oh, if you were trying to cast a third level spell. So I can give you the, <laughs> I can give you the mechanics for this. Yeah. So this is, you're making a caster level check, which is yeah. the same as your character level, which is presently two. Yeah. And you are trying for a difficulty of... Uh, what is my spell? Um, what is it? Uh, he's, um, he's, save DC or...? He's endeavouring to keep... It's on the... Um, it's on this thing at the top. Uh, yeah. We may change this depending on how well it works or yeah. not. Uh, DC 15 plus the level of spell. So at this point you're effectively trying to cast a third level spell. So it's DC 18. Okay. Oh, damn! Yes. <laughs> it's supposed to be hard. This is this is the training. Okay, I'm <laughs> Can you roll on your wild yes. magic chart? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, remember, it's 100% uh, yeah. so you need 18 total dice. 2% total dice. Yeah, and yes, 1 of the... Yeah. Yeah. You can read percent total dice. 56. 56. What's 56? 56. Oh, interesting. Yeah, this is correct. Yeah, you were getting some variant of this anyway. Spell effectiveness decreases 50%. <laughs> <laughs> little tiny flames come out from your hands. Yeah. So he's got a couple of candles set out in a this circle. This is actually a good one. <laughs> he says, and he says, light them, all, light them all at once. Don't let fire get out of control. And you put your hand out, and you feel the magic surging through you, shaking. It's going to get out of control. And you try and pull it back, repress it, keep the fire down. And one of the candles goes flicker, flicker, flicker to life. And then a moment later is blown out by a small gust coming in through the window. That's <laughs> Yeah. Look, um, I'm, I'm actually trying my best, and there are things that's not beyond my control. But this works better than last time. <laughs> Admittedly, I still have last both my eyebrows this time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so that's a good thing. But <clears throat> a lack of, don't mistake a lack of power for control. You didn't intend that reaction. Yes, Uncle. It's okay. We'll get it in time. Now... We should open the sh- reopen the shop before the lunch rush. I need to get out and about. I need I need to get out and take care of some business. Picking up a few th- picking up a few things. Okay, I'm you, go- I'll open the shop. Yeah, you maintain the shop. Yes. And he wanders off, and we will cut away from you there. And then Jack. Yay, Jack! Jack. The last one. So Jack. He's so happy in the picture. Um. You don't. You won't see her smiling like that. <laughs> at least not at first. You begin in the Academy of High Wizardry. Cool. Um, in one of Master Timon Dim Whistle's classes, um, we see a bunch of studio. We we see this officious sort of looking gnome. He's actually dressed in a kind of nice, almost vaguely suit and tie esque thing, um, walking around like the cock of the walk, <laughs> strutting around the front of the room. Um, and there are a whole bunch of students 
bent over their paper. Some of them bent over their papers, studiously noting things. Some of them sort of pissing around and pulling on their ears and drawing other things and looking over and making paper airplanes and this sort of thing. And we well, pan round all these dedicated, not so dedicated, grand students of the academy, and then way up the back at the back end of the lecture theatre, um, there is the little gnome girl in sort of quite rel- dark clothing, yeah, quite dark, <laughs> relatively poor-looking clothing. And she is pushing a broom very, very slowly, and, and doing this, doing this like like listening with her big ears, because you, know, you can't take notes during this. No. You just have to listen and ta- make your notes later. But I can pay attention twice as well yeah. as any of these rich snots. Yeah. Yeah. I have how to clean a patch of floor right in front of yeah. you. Jen yeah. <laughs> says, "Illusion is the most illusion is the most oft overlooked school." Yes, you may think your ability to light a dozen candles on fire at once is very impressive, <laughs> but I assure you it is nothing compared to the, psycholog- the psychology of the illusion. Master the psychology and you master the illusion. This is flame. And he likes a little fire on one hand. And this is illusion. <laughs> Juggles them back and forth. Or are they one? Or are they the other? Master Calderon... Uh-huh, says the guy, waking up slightly from some in the front row. Would you care to take one of these from my hand? Uh, he sort of reaches out. What's the trick? If I told you that, it wouldn't be much of a trick. Are you going to take one? Uh, no, Master Dinwhistle. Can you even tell me what I was talking about? Yes, Master Dinwhistle. Really? <laughs> Repeat it then. He leans forward through like, oh, I just, just closed my eyes for a moment. Yeah, and here he is. And then also looks like he's going to have something to say about this and then sort of sighs, shuts his mouth. Of course, Master Calderon, whatever you think best. Mm-hmm. But as to the rest of you, would anyone care to place their wager? And a couple of students sort of, mm, no. You see... Effect without cause. Illusion <laughs> has made you afraid. Why use real fire and risk burning the building down when I could simply fool you? What's better than one trick is two. And he smacks both hands into his face, and both fires go out, of course, as they are both completely illusory. Well, and um, Jack, Jack nods, because, and Jack nods in a satisfied manner, because she knew they were both illusions. Then you, then you hear the ding big melodious bell noise. That's all for today. Thank you. People start filing out. Jack begins sweeping in a much more industrious manner. <laughs> yeah. I have a whole entire sharply out of the way of the actual students in a um, brisk manner. And after everyone has filed out of the room, Din Whistle looks up at you and smiles at you, makes a vague beckoning way yep. down here. Uh, Jack um, sweeps the dust into the corner, abandons the broom, and um, uh, uh, dashes down the hall. That was nice. I liked how you turned the real fire into an illusion when they weren't paying attention behind your back. And it's a good point. Of, it's a cool idea about the psychology. Uh, being able to trick people is very important. It's easier when nobody is paying attention in the first place. I was no. paying attention. I see... Yeah. I see young Master Calderon has forgotten his notes has forgotten his notes again. He looks at the the book that's still sitting open. It would be ter- it would be terrible if obviously it would be terrible if his spell book were to go missing. But 
I simply have no idea if someone were to leaf through a few pages as long as they returned to the correct one when they were done. <laughs> and he turns his back and starts writing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another much more ragged spell book appears from um, a Jack's person from no apparent quarter, and um, she um, looks around the room, climbs up onto a cupboard in the corner, and begins industriously taking notes. <laughs> And can you give me a perception check? Mm-hmm. It was the smallest skull. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seventeen. I have to keep remembering not to add my moral bonus. Yeah, yeah. My perception yeah. zero. <laughs> you hear the click of the door, the lecture theatre door opening again, sense. and immediately you stop looking at the book and start sweeping all yeah, the Yeah, Jack. Both books disappear into Jack's bag. She vaults off the side of the um, um, cupboard and makes the broom, which is quite close to the cupboard she picked. And a very opulent-looking elf comes in. Um, you can actually make me a streetwise check here to see if you know who he is. He's a person of import. So. Uh, Twelve. Yeah. You presume he is, he is presumably a wizard around the academy of some kind, although you've not had the opportunity to meet him. Yeah. Um... Your guess would be that he is what they call a professor, which means he doesn't teach. He does research, occasionally has the odd student, that sort of thing. And he comes in, nose tilted carefully up to here. He looks rich, opulently rich. His robes are finest silk. They are embroidered with literal gold thread. He Um. has very tasteful jewels on, but they look like they're, you know, it's, it's... a small diamond instead of the huge honking thing, but it looks like it is of the highest quality possible. And he comes in and Din Whistle immediately comes to attention. And he says, Ah, oh, Professor Tanneth, sir. Oh, pro- oh, no. Professor, T- <laughs> Professor Tanneth, sir. How can I assist you? Yeah. <clears throat> Tanneth sweeps in. Octavia thinks that I should be working more on my illusions, and I understand that you're... The, I understand that you have some information on this. Oh, uh, yes, Sir Professor, I'm sure there's nothing I couldn't tell. I, I, I could possibly educate an esteemed colleague in a man Dravius like yourself. But, uh, none, nonetheless, I will endeavour to do my most humble best. And he bows to the guy and, and sort of puts a hand vaguely on his back and makes this shoo yeah, shoo gesture. Uh, Jack, Jack. Um, Jack winks at him and sweeps the dust out of the room. <laughs> Exit out for sure by a bear. And <laughs> you shut the door very quietly behind you so as not to make a bang. And then you hear a sharp whisper right in your ear. Fire is catching. I glance around. Does it sound like Alika's voice? Yes, it does. And there's no one there, but right down the end of that corridor, a flicker of a shadow just disappears off to the right. Alright. Like someone was there for a quarter of a second in your peripheral vision. I will um, sweep the broom into a nearby closet, put it tidily away, and then dash off after the shadow. And still with um, Cordwell, still with Cordwell's spell book in my bag, but I put it back in his room before. This, <laughs> he this, doesn't keep very good track of where it is. This happens several times. You see the flicker, the shadow. It leads you well out of the academy, well out of the city. You're technically working out, walking out in the middle of your workday here. This probably won't be a major deal, but it could be. But 
Every time you pause and hesitate to think about that half a second, you hear that sharp whisper again right in your ear. Fire is catching! Yeah, no, um, Jack puts the broom away tidily, but then just abandons the academy and heads off after the voice. And you head off, um, and this flickering shadow following it around various alleys and curves takes you to a little cafe. Um, Sorry, actually takes you to a reasonably large cafe. Uh, in the background of the shot, because I've done this a lot, like, till you, we can actually see Karen is, is <laughs> looking wistfully into his mug. Um, there are three people in this cafe who Garen wouldn't actually necessarily recognise at all. Um, hence, you haven't gotten any sort of things to see them. Um, but over in the corner, um, this is present day as well, if yep. that wasn't clear. Yeah, no, I got um, that. <laughs> Over in the corner of the cafe, Jack, you see three people. Um, can you give me another streetwise check? Uh, that would be a ten. I'm not rolling well on them. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I've got my... What do I do with my little bag? Streetwise of is not it? Oh, no, actually, I've got plus two on streetwise, because my throat is not... Okay, so one of them you know immediately who he is. Um, is a pale, ugly-looking man by the name of Rolf Lamb, wow. and you know he is Gadrin's son. Um, you're depending on how much you've looked into Gadrin, you're loosely aware they don't have a great relationship, but just the fact that he's here really immediately sets off your alarm. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. And Jack is Jack going around freezes. the corner. The shadow blips around, and you literally walk around the corner almost right into past the three of them and just freeze around the corner. And there are three people sitting at the table. One of them is Rolf Lamb. Uh, one of them you wouldn't recognise, but the camera would, is Lady Anderson. Uh... Yeah, uh, yes. Loose Indriel's minder. Yeah. Uh, and the last guy you will recognise, he is an incredibly weather-beaten-looking man, just haggardly, leatherly so. He has a low-brimmed hat on pulled down over his face, um, a, a solid, well-used-looking crossbow over his back, um, and he has a reputation around this city. Um, he is a man known as the Cinderlander. Yeah, uh, yes, and no one only is the Cinderland. I remember if he, him from the book. If he has an actual name, you don't know it. Yep. He presumably does. His parents doubtless he didn't name him the Cinderland. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the same picture in uh, the book. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, I remember. I remember who he is from the players. Mm. And nonetheless, for the benefit of people who haven't read it, like our mysterious guest sitting behind me, lurking. <laughs> um, you will know uh, the Cinderlander is a actually a hero to certain sections of Corvosans. Um The Shawante raiders, the the original settlers of this land, who were driven off by the Corvosans, um, uh, supposedly burnt his farm down and killed his family, um, as they do periodically. The outlying farms just run the risk of raids by Shawante periodically. Yeah. Um, He's supposed to have given up his name and become the Cinderlander. He is a deadly crossbowman who hunts them full-time and takes on jobs basically working with people in and around the Cinderlands for a price. Uh, he is very, very, very dangerous to you. Yeah. Like, obscenely so. Yeah. Um, 
Anderson you don't recognise at all, she just looks like a woman with a scythe, with yep. a scythe vaguely around her, and Rolf you recognise and know vaguely he's some sort of academy student. Yeah. He's, he's of course actually not at this stage, but yep. you don't necessarily know that. Um, and the three of them look like they're having a fairly intense conversation. And as you freeze, and are basically trying to hide around the corner and listen to this, um, you hear the Anderson. Just listen to them, Cinderlander. The money is good. The money is not something I'm concerned with. You know my role. You know my rules. I only come into the city for supplies. Always need new bolts. I'm not interested in hooking up with your little disturbing friend here and whatever business him and his pappy have cooked up. Necromancer. Bolts <laughs> You will like it. We need Shawante to work with. To improve your disturbing little freak, you know that. What's this deal with Shawante? <laughs> he has a kink. Yeah. yeah, no. What? You, you, like, you like the Shawante. Yeah. yeah. Oh no. Yeah, oh, cool. He's, he's like, still? He's, he's yep. picked up a new yeah. position? Oh, that's What we're paying you, what, what Rolf is proposing paying you to do, and I admit he hasn't been terribly clear on this, oh and just rolls her eyes slightly, is bring mm. us in Shawante. Alive, if, alive if at all possible, dead by preference. Uh, sorry, alive if at all possible, dead if, ne- dead if necessary. But we need them delivered, we need them delivered quietly, very quietly. Listen. I took the money to meet with you and I've heard your pitch. And I don't like it. I don't want any part of whatever sick crap you people are planning. Thank you. Those animals don't need to be experimented on. They need to be put down for the good of the city. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Yet yeah, you and the Scintillator are not going to get on. No. <laughs> Jack doesn't care. <laughs> but she is very interested in what Rolf Lamb is doing. But my father was very specific. He will be very disappointed if I don't come back with your answer, with your with your positive answer. Well, kid, that sounds like your problem between you and your old man. <laughs> and uh, can you give me another position? Uh, that would be a twelve. And the simple analysis. Don't think I haven't seen. Don't think I haven't seen your creepy little friend making eyes at me. I don't like the way he smells, like ashes. And Rolf looked kind of alarmed at this. You have no real idea what the hell he's talking about. He's yeah. clearly seen something you haven't. Yeah. Um, and then Anderson sort of looks around slightly. She says, "Look, very well." That's the deal. I trust you'll keep this conversation confidential. Always. That's what you're paying. That's what you're paying for. I've heard your pitch. I don't like it. Doesn't mean I'm going to get involved for better or for worse. Good. Nobody else should know. And her eyes dart slightly to the corner. Watch her to the left. And that's you, Jack. <laughs> oh crap! <laughs> and what do you do? Um, Run. <laughs> I am. Um, and Jet Bolt. <laughs> you turn to Bolt, 
you bolt down the alleyway and fast as lightning the Sinterlander comes up off his chair ducks around the side of the alley oh, quick draws his crossbow and it fires and the bolt bounces off the back of your head fired at a very sharp angle so as not to actually impale you goes tink and Jack just goes smack and hits yep. the ground mm-hmm. I'm sorry mm-hmm. when you wake up oh crap oh, um, you are in what appears to be a slightly dis- slightly disused apartment building um, in a little room lying slightly on the floor Sintalanda is standing somewhere out of your line of vision and you hear him again that's my part that's my part and it's done just let just, that's my part and it's done just let the girl go she's no Shawante she hasn't done anything she's just some she's just some street rat plenty of them around that's our business Rolf, do you want her eliminated? I don't want her. I don't even want to know. And he, you hear heavy footprints steps as he just walks away. Yeah. And <clears throat> That's all right. My friend will take care of that. Won't you, Ashes? Yes. <laughs> we should go too, quickly. You hear several more footsteps. You're just playing dead at this point. And can you give me another perception check? I do have another option besides playing dead, but um, I'm happy to... I'll just with the perception check for now. Mm. Um, Jack is, however, very, very frightened at this point, and that is a mega nine. Okay. I'm also going to go shut the door just like this way. Oh, the front door. Yep. Because we can't leave that and shut it. What's my character's name again? Garen. <laughs> Garen Silverson. Good man. Let's see if you remember next week. <laughs> so you see a hooded and cloaked figure just standing over in the corner of the room, and you have a vague recollection of seeing them at the next table down at the cafe as well. But that is all you get out of this. What do you want to do about it? Um, I want to endeavour to quiet cast as silently as possible silent image to replace the image of Jack lying on the floor with an image of Jack lying on the floor. By all means. And then, <laughs> I want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck like the shit I'm out. <laughs> nope. Are you going to put up with this shit today? Fuck the shit I'm out. You are allow me to climb out the window, basically? Yes. Okay, can you give me a flex check? Fifteen. And you basically flip over the window, push it, over, push it up slightly... Climb out, you're on the ledge looking down to the street, there's a drain pipe you could slide down, this doesn't look that challenging. And then back in the room you see the cloaked figure suddenly goes up in flame, like that, and the robes burn off instantly and you see a blackened and charred skeleton just kind of standing there on fire, and it just walks around the room with its arms up, smearing its hands along the wall, and the whole building starts going up with great rapidity. And then we hear we hear a cry from the street below as the smoke starts to billow out from it. Fire! Fire! And people immediately start to come to their feet, panicking slightly, reacting. And you hear a big bellow coming from somewhere. Corvosa! Awake! Awake! Fire! Fire! Foes! Awake! And bells start ringing. And summon the sable guard! Summon the sable guard! People 
Some people start running off to get the guard and do useful things. Many people start panicking. Several more stand around and look at the fire, like looky loos. Um, Lucy, you are basically in the shop, just handing something across to, the, to, to a customer, and you hear, fire, fire! And as all five of you look up, the building is now on fire. It's your fault, is it? <laughs> no, it's um, Rolf Lamb's fault. They were merely trying to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a ridiculously overkilly way to kill one street rat, but then Rolf Lamb is, as we know, stupid. <laughs> yeah. So, look on the bright yeah. side. They're not very good at it. I mean, I survived. <laughs> so the, um, the city actually has a pretty damn good firefighting system. This fire will be put out sooner or later. Um, you know, and the loss of life will probably be minimal. But if any brave heroes of Corvosa want to step up, mm-hmm. now is the time to do so. Yep, I'll go. Yeah. Can I get an initiative track? Yeah. So this is this is a sort of montage scene. You're to worry about round by round. Yeah, yeah, and I realize I haven't put her initiative total there. Initiative is one. As is mine. So don't start telling me numbers yet. I need to write your names. Yeah, I have. I have worked out my initiative right. Didn't I? Uh, yes. I have got hit points. <laughs> How can you not have hit points? I have a calculator. I'm embarrassed I missed that actually. I went to people's character sheets for faults. I found that you hadn't given yourself your second feet. Maybe if I assumed everyone would have possessed the calculator. That one I'm worried about. Alright, it's not very hard to do, it's just no, it's hard of leveling. Would you like me to give me give you your hit points in yes, 10 seconds? Pass me your character sheet. Second, second level in fighter, so roll me a d10. Um, four. Seven is thirteen, I believe. Yep. Oh, unlucky for some. Okay, roll roll initiatives and tell me what they are on the Ooh, side. Uh, I got eight. Eleven. 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 Is your minus better or worse? My six is plus one. Plus two. Plus two. So. Jeez, yeah. when did you become more? Alright, Garrett. You've got to get do- good at dodging the blows of your husband. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Garrett reacts oh, first. Garrett reacts first. Garrett. Garrett. <laughs> Why is there an I in it then? Do you want to put a U in it instead? It has an I in it. Garin. Garin. Oh, two R's, okay. Garin. I spelled it with three R's, so I can remember. Garin. Like a fire. The fire Except for he's a letter. Better than his place on the name of Dwarfy McDwarfson. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a Which he's still referred to as in some of my notes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good name. That's a great name. Uh, I, ironically, you had nearly the same um, name that I flipped, fill the name that I gave your building, <laughs> the Dwarf's Ford. Every single other person has picked, picked an easily pronounceable name. <laughs> What's wrong with Garrett? What's wrong with Silversmiths? Would you like that some of your name? Yeah, I don't have a problem with your surname. <laughs> Alright, Garin. What it, it reacts so, first to fire. Garin, you are just across the street from this. You see 
like by the time people hear this and Jack by the time you realise what's going on the building yeah. is about half ablaze okay so you essentially have the, the basic setup for this is you have a number of rounds to do something heroic before eventually the fire will be solved one way or the other right um I'm going to see if there's anybody inside <laughs> there's a door in my way I want the duck to be a door in my way <laughs> okay so you get up from the street, sort of run across the run across the road. Black the door. You push on the door. It does, of course, feel hot, and there is something pushing back against you. And then you give it the boot. Boot my ass, shaker. Ah, right. The hammer <laughs> to the door. Oh, yeah. The hammer to the door, and I'll never okay, be a door. That's the seventeen to hit. Yeah, yeah. You hit the door. The door has an AC of five. <laughs> 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 Okay, so let's see, go and bring round. Well, no, I just rolled really badly. This is the first time we've actually seen your hammer in action, so you have to give it a description. Karin versus Thor. Well, it's a um, it's an earth shaker hammer. Uh, It looks well used, but well cared for. And um, yeah, it's a hammer in the hands of the dwarf. In a dwarf, so you expect scale. You see what? Well. Dwarves are medium-sized creatures, so medium. The scale's a hammer, yeah. Hammer. So, is it a metal, metal, um, headed one? Ah, uh, so, so one? yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the the earth shake, earth break is a really big hammer. You bring round the big double got, they got, um, they got spikes on them, don't Smash. they? Smash! The door looks like it has some sort of rubble or something behind it that's blocking it. That's fallen in from the burning. <laughs> Splinters and shatters out of the way. The door is open. Next person down. We're all coming from different That's directions, mean. so feel free to dictate the circumstances. Okay, how right. close is the fire from where I am? Like, just across the street. Yeah. Okay, yeah. and I'm going to try stuff. to find the, yeah. uh, it's the alchemy shops. So there must be some sort of fire retardant of yep. some sort. Yep. I'm going to try to find some. That, that makes so, a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. Okay. Uh, can you give me a craft alchemy roll? Woohoo! Uh, and a plus five bonus because this is your own shop you yes. are looking through. You have a very good idea. Oh, well, because I'm panicking. But today is stop take day. I add five to, and yeah. then another five, so it's, it's twelve. Well, okay, so you don't find these as fast as you might like. You run behind the counter and think, no, crap, inventory, we moved them. <laughs> there, run over, run over, run over, run You grab the bag full of what is essentially anti-alchemist's fire. Alchemist's fire is basically Greek fire in yeah. a glass vial that you throw and it burns and shatters. This is yeah. the opposite. You throw it and it puts fires out. Okay. So you grab at the bag of it, you get it, but that's as far as you get. Yeah. You do not find it in sufficient time to get further. Alchemist's frost. Yeah. Silver rose. Okay. Um, do You're I busking have... on a street corner. Do I have my spear? Yes. Oh, I do. Excellent. So this time I can yes, better jump ship. At, at this point you have whatever you would normally be walking around the city with and in and that sort of thing. Okay, do I see anybody in any buildings that may get caught in the crossfire? Uh, there are probably several people in the building that's currently on fire. You can hear yelling and screaming from it. And there are a couple more buildings next door that could easily catch a spark. Okay, so I'm going to parkour up the walls yep. by bouncing. <laughs> Hardcore parkour. Yep. Um, so how do I do that? That would be athletics. Athletics. Oh, Is your intent yeah. to go into the burning building? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Right, I'll take the level four, um, you take the top one. So that's six and eight, that's fourteen. Okay, so we see you run forward, basically plant the end of the totem sphere, 
And it, it looks like a solid piece of wood until you actually plant the end. Then it turns out to be remarkably springy and agile. Oh. It, well, that, this is how it works. It's, it, the spear is built like a pole vault, basically. Okay. So you plant the end. Oh, because it's and got it, a bit of a bend to it. Yeah, it's, and it it's that willowy, bendy, flicking yeah. wood. So you plant the end, it bends, and then you push yourself off and go, spring! Halfway, the wall, half, bounce, halfway bounce, up, bounce. scramble up the wall slightly, and smash in through the glass into one of the burning rooms. Smoke <laughs> billows out from it. Hero. Yes. Uh, Super hero. Uh, I am going to run there. Yep. Now, will I be more use? I'm thinking I'm going to be more use putting the fire yep, out. Makes sense. Really if you've got create water, then hell yes. Yeah. So I'm just looking up create water. Yeah. Like you, I think I can only create a certain amount. Yeah, you, of you'd be able to recognize fairly easily that you wouldn't be able to extinguish the building effortlessly like yeah. this. But um. It's less about putting the fire out necessarily and putting it out temporarily. Yeah. The other thing you could do is water down the edges of the fire where it's going to catch on the neighbouring mm. buildings and yeah. the neighbouring buildings and yep. stop it from spreading. So I, I want to go and try and water create water. Okay. So you yeah. run to the side where the smoke, the, the tongues of flame are just starting to lash the building next to it. The edges are just starting to blacken slightly. And it's Desna. Bring us water. And because you basically project this where you like, yeah. you can actually have the little hose beam coming yeah. out of your hand if you desire. I will. And the, na- the neighbouring building that's just starting to blacken stops at blackened at the, at the very tim- edge of the timbers. Jack. Jack is, of course, halfway out of dram- uh, dram- down dram pipe about to complete her daring escape when she notices <coughs> the building is on fire. She will look up, look down... Raise her eyes to the heavens. Oh, right. Bloody idiot couldn't just cosh me on the head. Oh, no. <laughs> that's, that's where the Cinderlander started. <laughs> wrong lethal damage, crossbow of the head. No, I'm talking about wrong flam. <laughs> oh, this is a, such a bad idea. And then Jack will reverse direction and skin all the way back up the drain pipe um, to the very top of the building. Yep. Aiming for any cries that might be coming from that area. Yep. And, um will um, wrap her hand in a bit of her outfit and smash a window. Okay. So you are running, climbing wholeheartedly back into the flames? Yeah. Okay. Are you going back into the room where the burning thing was? No. Or into a separate one? No, 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 no. Very yeah. different Let's build. Let's go for not that. Part. So you go up to the third floor of this, Yeah. smash your way in through the window, and this room is thickly aflame. Um, on the other side, there is a woman who has sort of big bags under her eyes. She looks like she's just kind of staggering out of bed. Must be a night worker or something in that neighbourhood given it's the middle of the day. She staggers out and sort of <laughs> coughs on the smoke and just looks completely out of it. Yeah. Lady, come on. we got to get out of here. And you run across the flames to basically drag her across them? Yeah. Okay. Can you take four points of fire damage? Yep. Recalling that as somebody with the um, oh, St. Yes. Elk's Blessing, you have fire resistance. Yes, I take two points of fire damage. Oh. You run across the flames. You sort of push her... You run across stamping them out with your feet as you go, mm-hmm. and then you push her across, get her to the window, and what are you going to do? Upend uh, her? Uh, do you know Feather Floor? <laughs> <laughs> I do, but I didn't prepare it today because yeah. I am a wizard. Because you're a wizard. Silent image, and that was the choice between life and death. Yeah. Um, yeah. Alright, no, um, 
I will um just uh, I will endeavor to encourage her onto the drain pipe. If yep. she shows no sign of willingness or ability to climb down it, then I will fish in the bag I am carrying for a rope. Hmm? And you throw a rope down and tie it on top of the drain pipe, basically. Hold on. Let me. Do I have rope, or did I have to unpack that? No, I did not have the carrying capacity for rope. Do you have a preparation slot? I do have a preparation spot. Today I have rope. Oh, is, so the way this works is if you have a spare preparation slot, as long as you can afford to buy rope... The I, I'm pretty confident... Um, what, what's the money on my preparation slot? Uh, you need to be very poor before you can't afford to buy rope. It's, One five, it's five copper pieces. Up to ten gold pieces, yeah, no problem. You have rope. I can totally you tie have the rope around the drain pipe, you throw it down, she yep. sort of, huh, huh, looking very confused, starts to clamber down. Yeah. Uh, back round to... Okay, um, so I'm on the ground floor. Yep. So this one looks like basically stuff from the fire started on the second floor. Stuff from it has fallen down over the door, which you've just smashed in. Mm-hmm. Um, several people are coming out of their rooms, blinking at what's going, at what's going on, sort of going, huh, huh. The fire is not too bad down here. There's smoke. There's heavy smoke in here. That's obviously coming down. But um, so, what sort of building is this? A cheap wooden three-story apartment, basically. Okay, three stories. Okay, yeah, slum. It's great. This is not actually a particularly slum area, but a lot of Corvosa has yeah. these. It, it tends to be either manors, you know, good houses that you own individually, and everyone else's apartments, then tenements. As we all know, it raises unrest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rather yes. So I imagine. It may not be a landlord, but there's certainly someone who looks after the building yeah, so on site. Yeah. So I don't know what the correct term is, so I'm just going to use the term landlord. Yep, yep, that's yep. right. Go. All right, people. Oh, sorry. All right, lads and lasses. The building's on fire. Everybody up. Where's the landlord? Uh, that fifth door from the left, I think. Is it open? Yes. Okay. I go and find the landlord. Yep. I've count, as I go, I count the uh, people who are on the ground floor. Yep. Tick, 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 tick. Yep. Yep. So I see the landlord. You come in. He's grabbing, it. he's he's scrabbling at the floorboards and opening his floorboards and pulling out a sack that he's got hidden away <laughs> down there. Yeah. Presumably gold, gems, paper, yeah. something in that neighborhood. And he looks up at you, you can't have it, it's mine! <laughs> Don't care. How many people are living here? Hey. hey. Shrugs slightly. Uh, uh, uh. I grab him by this set. Think, man. How many people do you get rent from? And can you actually give me a raw charisma check here, both for your presence of shooing the people out and for getting this guy's attention? Oh, damn. Damn. Oh, um, no, 29. Yeah. So... You shake him and he, he seems to snap too slightly and think, oh yeah, okay, yeah, okay, now I actually understand why you're asking. <laughs> the first thing that goes through his mind is clearly, you're here to rob him, you know, and take advantage of what's no, going sorry. on here. No, um, out, out the back behind you, we see the people that you've ordered out filing out in a relatively calm, orderly fashion, getting out quickly but not without trampling people. And he says, uh, 17! Uh, that's and he, he, he says, seven, seven, 17, uh, 10 on the bottom floor, 5 on the second, 2 on the third. And you have found 10 people that you are sending out. So there's 7 more. Mm. Yep. So the bottom floor is effectively clear at this point. Right. They know you. 
out you, out you go. Yeah. Start a bucket chain. And I start heading towards the second floor. Damn. Lucy. You need commands. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll walk up there. And would I have heard that from um, Karen? He, he, oh, he's shouting loud. He's bellowing at the top of his lungs. Yeah. Adam is politely not doing it so as not to wake our wee children. Yes. So, so I, I think bottom floor's clear. Okay, yeah, pretty much everyone will with, with 29 charisma pretty much everyone yeah. will hear this <laughs> okay then um, I'll um, pitch it through the window of the second floor yeah um, yeah, you've got the because of the point I don't, I don't, you're not going to go into the burning building so what, what do I use to throw I mean hey, hey, I'm just throwing and I would have the building yeah well, that's just poor judgment on your part. Uh, you do not make hands, uh, which means you can literally just that's float true. this bag up and into the window. Oh yes, I'll do that. Yep. <laughs> I cast make hands so good. <laughs> so, an unseen hand pretty much snakes out. Yeah. And this bag floats up, <laughs> and you, you wave your arms and direct it to yeah. wherever it is you want to direct it to. Sweet. So, where are you sending your bag of antiquities? Not, not, not for nothing, but. You're casting a spell. Oh yes, that's that's true. <laughs> so you might get oh, two no. two mage hands. Possibly <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to do it for cantrips. No, it's it just doesn't add to the difficulty. It's yeah, difficulty right. fifteen. Yeah, I think I'm I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Control yeah. your mage hand. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You can cast yeah, a third level spell. I know. Um, we wasted an after we see that After we see that go for a while, we'll adjust the difficulty up or down yeah. depending on how many. Yeah. But I guess in this case she's very focused on. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I'll send control, that. control. You must learn control. I, I send it to um, wherever I, I see the fire the thickest. Yep. So, so the second, second floor. floor. Yep. Yeah. So Jack, you see this bag floats in the window. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, I thought do, do. I was on the third floor. Was oh, I? Yeah, she's on you the third floor. You were on the second. That's oh, okay. where the fire started. Okay. Oh, okay. Right. okay. Yep. So who was on the third then? Oh, oh were, you, or were you climbing? No, past I, was cl- I, was cl- I was climbing up as high as I could go because right. I figured those people would yeah. be in the worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's on the third. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. in the second floor, a bag floats through the window. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Silver rose. What do I see? I'm uh, in a room. Oh yeah. No, you have just. I parkoured up the building. Yeah. So silver is on the second floor. So yeah. another place. So yeah. yeah. So you burst in through the window. You you burst in through the window. Um, you can see this looks like a cheap transient apartment. Um, this particular one is empty, mm. but you can hear people next door because thin walls. Help! Help! We're stuck in here. Someone get us out! And just as you're thinking about what to do. A bag comes floating in gently <laughs> through the window, drops at your feet, un- it unzips slightly as it goes, and ding, something comes rolling out of it, and it's got anti alchemical anti flame written on it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Convenient. <laughs> I'll pick it up, and I'll take it, I can just smash the wall. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't. You, you wouldn't have to know anything much about alchemy to know how this stuff works. <laughs> <laughs> or you presumably pour it on fire or smash yeah. it on fire. Or oh, is it to go on fire? Yeah. yeah. It says anti-flame. Anti-flame. Okay. Um, it's like a fire extinguisher. So is the wall the wall that's in the way on fire, or is it... Uh, it's it's certainly hot. You can feel the heat radiating. Okay, well, if it's not, not on fire, I'll, I'll just boot, boot the wall down if I yeah. can, because it's probably... Can you give me a strength check for wall booting? Oh god, here we go. Let's see how let's see how manly I can keep on. Well, you might want to go round and try and kick the door open rather well, than trying to break the wall. Can down. I see a door? There's a door out of this apartment. 
oh. a, a door into the next apartment, like the next apartment across, so she can walk out of this apartment and try and boot down the door of the adjacent apartment where the people are trapped. Might be easier than booting down a wall. Or you can boot down a wall. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like those strength. guns for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> I hope my strength is up to the task. So what am I rolling? Strength. Uh, strength. Nineteen. So oh okay, pure strength, is it? Yep. Nineteen. Okay, so that's adding your full strength and yeah. modifier. Yeah. Okay. So you kick the wall hard, um, and it is weak inside. You put your boot through it, but there is flame on the other side. So apparently okay. you, you have failed this. But your penalty for that is you go through the wall and into the flame. Okay. And can you take a whopping two points of fire damage? And inside there is a guy sitting around with two little children, and I mean little, little, that'd be a couple of months old apiece. Mm. And he is frantically, literally stuffing them into a backpack yeah. and throwing it over his shoulder. Can I throw the bottles of the anti-flamer? You sure can. Okay, I'll Make throw them <laughs> Ranged combat. Okay, do I need a... I need a... Do a ranged attack. attack. Yeah, but it's pretty oh. easy to throw the shit. <laughs> oh, no one. Oh, Hold oh. on. Oh, yeah, that, is that... Is that... Do you still hit an AC of five or not? Do you have a ranged attack of some kind? Plus your dex, plus your base attack. So you've got plus two totals, so it's a three. Okay. Yeah. So you go to fling it. As you do, the bag slips slightly. There's actually far more anti-flams in here than you thought. <laughs> because they haven't been sorted into a way-efficient thing because you didn't have time. Yeah. So several several of them slip out the back and go smash, 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 smash at your feet. Oh. Then you flick the rest across the room and they go... <laughs> In a path, the father starts sort of coughing all the chemicals that yeah. he's breathing in, which is not great for him, of course. Yeah. And then he <coughs> thank you, <coughs> runs across the path, okay. backpack in hand, Sorry. and jumps out the window and starts sliding down the train pipe. <laughs> Little kids in the back, you're on train pipe. There's more than one on the building. <laughs> However, you are out of anti-flames now. Yeah, I'm sorry. But that wall <laughs> is just entirely drain pipes. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what we're so going to I'm use these for. These people, and I'm thinking that some of them might need some healing. Yep. So I'm going to go over and do it. Yep, there are several people staggering out. <laughs> I'm going to go over and do it. And, and, and there is, in fact, a guy who just slid down the Yeah, I'm going to go, go, go to him and his babies first and do a heal check. Yep. Twenty-four. Please, you have to help my. You have to help my babies. They breathed in some smoke, and some gorgeous guy flew flew up to the place. You look them over here. If you guys take the 15 charisma, even men are going to know. They, they, effectively need, they effectively need CPR, so basically, which you start administering. But that's the um, thing. You bash, through, you bash through a window, roll, stand up, and you're perfectly posing with the flames behind you. No, keep in mind, Corvus is a very cosmopolitan city. There's lots of people in here. And you notice it's just it's a guy awesome. in there with babies, but there's, you know, there's no woman. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, she could be at work. <laughs> yeah, some guys can get away with that. <laughs> uh, so Flora is giving CPR to babies. That's oh, awesome. Oh, it Jack, is pretty awesome. You are on the third floor. Yep. Um, I presume there's nobody else in this room. Uh, this appears to be basically mostly attic space. 
Right. So it looks like lots of storage. It's it's presu- they look like there's a lot of stuff here. It's presumably rented out to other people. Um, but you can hear some loud voice from below going, there's five people on the second floor and two on the third. Okay. So presumably there are people living in this crap somewhere. Alright, so um, I'm going to duck down low and chart a path around the flames yep. trying to see if I can find the other person. Yep, can you make me search? Shit. No, you don't have to duck too far. That size is Susan. <laughs> Gnomes don't want to breathe in smoke. I know. Okay, nice. uh, that's an 18. Okay. So, you look around and you think, okay, if people are living in this crap, you know, they're squatting and basically subletting illegally, they're probably slipping someone a few coins to not boot them out of the building, because this is massively against the building codes and all this sort of thing, such as they are enforced in Corvosa. And thus, if I were living squatting in this shack, I would hide over there. <laughs> and you go over... And you find a couple of urchins there. Each one would be a couple of years younger than you. Um, they look at, we don't got no money! Come on, idiots! The, door, the window's over there! But they said it was a fire! That's the trick to get people out of the house so they can rob your money! It's an actual fire! Oh, balls! <laughs> <laughs> there's a rope there! If you can't slide down it. <laughs> There's no hope yep. for you. Yep. Oh, no, balls. even they can make a DC five climb. <laughs> <laughs> balls. All right. So um, so those. Uh, so um, and then um, Flora will, uh, sorry, Jack will fall, follow them to the window and bellow mm. down it. Top floor's clear. And you hear echoing back from out of the streets. There has been this cry echoing out around the streets of Corvosa, awake, awake, fire, fire, foes. Uh, the three are inextricably linked since the great fire of a couple of hundred years ago where the Shante burnt down three quarters of the city. Uh, the thing is, arson is really deadly here because all the houses are really close together and just about everything on the island is made of wood. The entire city could theoretically... It's, it's extremely unlikely to burn down as a result of this fire, but theoretically it could They're treating it as if it could. Yeah. yeah. And cows are illegal um, in the city. <laughs> Okay. You don't get the historical Because of the farting. No. no. Um, I think it was Chicago almost burnt down because uh, somebody's cow knocked over a lantern and started the Great Fire. Oh, wow. That's rough. So they banned cows. <laughs> 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 it might be like no other reason for lanterns. What they do. And what you can hear... Lanterns don't kill people. Cows kill people. What you can hear... What you can hear echoing back from the... Echoing back from the crowd is that cry is stopping and what is coming back down the Mexican wave down the street is... Sable guards coming! They're on their way. Alright. Uh, uh, imminently approaching. They will be here at the end of this round. Alright. And that was the end of this round because Jack's last. Uh, at the end of the, the next, next round. round. That's yeah. the end of that round, start of the next round. And Garen. the next one we go to is Garen again. Alright, so how many should be on this floor? Uh, you're on the bottom floor or heading to the second floor? 17. 17 on the Five. Yeah, but. Five yeah, on the second Ten went through the bottom, two went through the top because of her, so five. Yeah. Alright, so I get to the second floor. Um. What do I see? You see me. Yeah, you see a, a lot of strange-looking white chemicals built out of the floor, and this man standing there, hair flickering. You don't find him particularly attractive. But he does know things about Karen. We don't know. He's clearly got pointed ears. Oh god! 
Uh, and he looks like he is basically trying to direct, uh, just turning and turning back from the window. Looks like somebody's gone out from. Um, and this up here is thick with smoke at this point. It is <laughs> spreading everywhere. Arthur, how many left? Um, possibly two, according to your math. <laughs> Which rooms have you checked? This one here. Right, so how many rooms are left? Uh, it, at least, um... Uh, so that's one. That would be five left. Okay. You take keep in mind, this is people that are here now, as opposed to people that live here who are presently likely to... Because the super basically knows it's the middle of the day, these people should be out working, these people should be here. You take the left side, I'll take the right uh, I start smashing down doors. <laughs> <laughs> and assuming you're um, prepared to take this direction, Silver, yeah. we will basically do both your actions at the same time. Nice. Uh, yeah. Can both of you give me fortitude saves as thick smoke fills the room? Uh, Garen, oh you... Some of the other things you add your endurance bonus to this. Yeah, exactly the same thing. That's a 31. Yeah. Oh, blacksmiths. Oh so you just... You just, in, you, just inhale, you just inhale the toxic burning smoke. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tuesday. <laughs> Silver has a tiny pansy half up on the other hand. Got the six. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I know who Garen needs to rescue. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> this is a good humiliating start here. <laughs> oh my god. Oh what my you god. need is there to be a girl around. Because then you get a plus five point. Because <laughs> there isn't a girl around that I'm doing this. <laughs> When you start kicking down doors, they provide you with very little impressive resistance. Smashing down, smashing through doors with the hammer, inhaling the thick lungfuls of smoke. <laughs> reminds you of, reminds you of, reminds you of work. <laughs> reminds you of work. Oh my god! Yeah. Haven't seen haven't seen smoke this thick since Griff came up with his new forging techniques. <laughs> well, so and we don't need forging techniques. <laughs> And you smash through a door and you find you find a guy unconscious on the floor, basically, presumably from smoke inhalation. Yeah. Uh, on the opposite side, going down, Silver, you sort of barricade, bash through the door, bash, bash, and <coughs> you get a horrible lung full of smoke as yeah. well. You become fatigued and find a woman lying there unconscious. Okay, I'll die for the woman. I'll pick them up over my shoulder and get them to the... <coughs> Who's them? The two that I find. Okay. No, one like, each. One each. Oh, one each. Yeah. And both of you are sufficiently strong and manly that you just yeah, throw them over your shoulders. Uh, and Lucy. Does the fire looking like it's going out? No, it no, no, it's getting worse. <laughs> okay. It's like somebody dropped your valuable chemical reagents on the floor. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I got some yeah. people out. You weren't necessarily expecting the, the anti-flames to put it out altogether, but you'd expect them to have retarded it a lot more than this. Yeah. Your only guess can be that, you know, Someone when they hit the window, it must have accidentally hit something and spilled from the wrong place. There's, There's one portion of the building that will never catch on fire. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that section of floor is perfectly fine. It's just all the walls holding it up are going to burn it. Yeah. Yeah, there's not a lot I can do. Um, oh Maybe you can go over and help. See, like yeah, you've got, you've probably got cure self type things. You can probably no, fish got, around. I got no. No, but I'm just uh, saying in, in the shop. In but, that case, uh, just, um, yeah. Let's see what you will see. 
there's a bunch what of do I see? Yeah. You, you see a bunch of people who are staggering out, sort of coughing and spluttering with burn marks, and hey, hey, there's a healer over here. There's a healer over here. Come on, we need healing. You gotta help me first. You gotta help me, help me, help me. And they are starting to slug somewhat mob this woman. Triage. Right. Um, I I would <laughs> ask if um I could perhaps go and get some healing potions. Well, I, the, th- the theory is yeah. manage their access to the yeah. healer. Don't let them mob this poor girl. Yeah, it's well, very tiny. Up to you how you want to tackle the situation. Yeah. Um, is I'm also a woman. small woman. Yeah, this is yes, about how she solves problems. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know what your um, diplomacy intimidating type oh, skills are like. I got a little bit of. Um, Love, but not much. Right, sorcerer skill points. Yep. <laughs> Lots of sorcerer. Yes, you, you may handle this situation however you desire. Okay. Um, hmm. Do you have a calm the crowd spell? <laughs> no. No. Um, no <laughs> the spells you have a magic missile in Greece are both incredibly bad exactly. ideas in this circumstance. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, don't put Greece in the burning building, please. All the juncture of all this. Okay, I'll, I'll just turn to the crowd. Um, crowding Flora going, okay, okay, um, there's only one healer here at the moment, but I can perhaps help you oh. with the potions. I um, I run the shop over there, and if some of you can come over with me, I'll perhaps give you some potions. Healing potions! She's got three healing potions! <laughs> can you give me a raw charisma check? Okay. Man, those are expensive. Charisma, <laughs> charisma modifier? Or the no, 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 Okay, so that's 26. Yeah, I presume that there are basically much lesser things that are there that you don't generally bother with adventurers, effectively like potions of cure minor wounds and that kind of thing. Mm, yeah, yeah it's usually like cells of cure minor yeah. wounds. You can put them on people and give them a hit point. Yeah. People people start like pulling at each other. Hey, hey, she says she's got some healing over here. Come on, this way. And about half the mob breaks off and comes yeah. and starts annoying you instead. Okay. <laughs> which will actually, Flora, your... Not in remotely in any danger of being crushed or trampled by these people, but it's definitely making you less effective at dealing with it. You're trying to help the baby, and somebody's like, "Look at my arm!" Yeah. Uh, so she's on the street. Before? She's on the seat on the street by the side of the building. Okay, then I'll also tell her that um, you can you can come around with these people and use um, the side of my shop. Yeah, and Laura, around to you. Um, I'm going to try and get them organized into a nice orderly line. Yep. Yeah. So I can line, line up, only line. <laughs> so rockers, yes, yeah, rockers like for again. Organize, oh, organize. Oh, di- diplomacy. Or? Yeah, I'll buy either. The DCs are different, so don't look at which ones. There's no point looking at which yeah. one's higher. Um, no, I'm just wondering which one it would be. Go ahead with diplomacy if you've yeah. got skill ranks in it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, people, once they get over the initial panic of, like, the fire is right behind us, we're going to die any second here, when they look round, the situation seems to be somewhat under control, and they can hear the Sable Guards coming! And they seem to calm a little, and you can get them organised. Look, get away from the building, you know, line up over here, triage yourselves like such and such, and people start doing so. Um, And Jack, you're up on the third floor directing your orphans down. Yeah, so, one... Urchins having swung down the rope at this yep. point, uh, Jack will look at the increasingly on fire building, look at the people who appear to be largely out, and look up the street and the cry at Selvagus. Authorities, 
Time for Jack to go. <laughs> Untie the rope and swing down the drain pipe. Okay, and that is a 17. I don't need a rope. Where I'm going, I don't need a rope. You land, roll down the street, and disappear into the shadows. Yeah. And, Garen and Silver, you are basically... Um, given that you've got people over your shoulders, you don't necessarily want to do any dramatic dives out second story. No, I'm, I'm fatigued, so I, I might be kind of a little you're, bit calmer. You're carrying them down the <laughs> stairs, and you're just getting them out the front door when you hear, Sable Guard's here! And the camera pans outside, and what we see are four hippogriffs. Um, what? <laughs> hippogriffs. <laughs> I, I know they, what a hippogriff is. They look, like, they look like horses with wings, and the, and the um, head of sort of bird heads with beaks and that sort of thing. I haven't got a picture around the hippogriffs, but um, I'm pretty sure the one in the most yep. are hideous zombie mutants. <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, I'll get a picture of hippogriffs. I'm, sure guards riding I'm sure they're in Harry Potter at some point. Yes, three. There we go. And there's in fact more or less exactly the same creatures in here. Yeah, the Sable Guard famously ride them is their, their thing. Oh, that's actually not too bad. No, it's an awesome picture. Yeah. So, four of these magnificent winged beasts are coming in, but what they have between them is some sort of setup that looks like an enormous tarpaulin tied to, tied to four points on each, four points on the saddle, and it looks incredibly heavy. It is straining like this, and there are four people in uniform, the magnificent gleaming uniforms of the Sable Guard, sweeping in, and you hear, Where below! Water! And, they turn, and for a moment the centrifugal force holds it in, and yeah. as they hit the top of the arc, the hippogriffs all stop flying, and the massive tarp full of seawater goes down over the building. Basically, as soon as the alarm has gone up, they've hooked the tarp and dived into the ocean, Sweet. and they come back up, and they dump this over the fire, over the house, and over the next house. The two of you who are closest, and your two victims are just absolutely soaked. Your hair goes... <laughs> wow. And that's a sad Because oh. it looks like it has copious amounts of magic hair gel in there. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, uh, no, I suppose the precipitation can't do that, can it? Uh, you can, can dry, dry your hair. It can dry you and can... redo your hair, but you'll need a few rounds for that. Yeah. I'm going to be bucking the salt out of my armor all night. Mm. Uh, the, having dumped the water off, the, the hippogriffs start arcing off, and about a minute after this, the Corvosan guards, street guards, will start showing up. But at this point, the fire is out. People will essentially, you know, come and ask, you know, what you saw, is everyone okay, rah, 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 and run through all this. Um, you are all thanked by the Corvosan guard for your general, you know, for, for your general heroism and that sort of thing. And that is pretty much the Tay's business, then. <laughs> yeah. You shake off the smoke and fire damage you have and continue to go about your business. The, um... Next day in the paper, there will basically be... This is not a particularly huge event. It is a small report on kind of page six saying that, you know, fire at such you know fire at such and such street um, causes, causes unknown. You know, 17 people were rescued by the Sable Guard, the Corvosan Guard, and some public-minded um, citizens. Yeah. Uh, c- civic, that's the one. Civic-minded citizens of Corvosa. You know, the three-headed Chimera thanks them for their service sort of thing. And... 
you kind of basically at this point just split up and go back to your lives for another two months, having only really tangentially run into each other in passing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't see any of the. I didn't even see Flora. Yeah, yeah. No one. Yeah. No one worked out what yeah. caused the fire. <laughs> I will thank. Um, I only saw you. Uh, yeah, there you is... saw me. So, so like the moment we get out, we get drenched in water, and and I, I just. Uh, I will offer you two healing if you need it. Yeah. I lay down the guy on Lucy and Flora, you kind of loosely already know who each other are because you have a vague connection through Z, but it's kind of, oh, you're that girl, um, flickety, flickety, Flora, something or other. Flickety, Flora. Yeah, uh, I have a a lady in my arms, so I'll bring the lady over to you and. And I write people bills for the pills. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> said it was free. so mercenary! Wow, <laughs> the shop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna like for the. Maybe uh, like was, was free. Yours you know. wasn't. No. Yeah, and they will ask you simple questions about what's happened. Yeah, but the by her absence from the authorities, start asking people questions. It's like she wasn't even there. The paper will report that 17 of the 18 people in the building were saved. Um, the 18th uh, must have been caught in the initial blast because they only found burnt bones on the second floor. Oh. That's the burning skeleton. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, you you didn't miss it. You kicked open the door and went, there's no one alive in here and went on to the next room because yeah. there's a, a burning corpse lying on the ground of burning skeleton. Okay. <laughs> Florence will, like, I will actually tell uh, Flora privately what um, what happened. And to be on the lookout because Lamb seems to be sniffing around. But um, because Jack doesn't trust authorities and doesn't didn't run across any of the rest of them, she tells no one else about what she saw. And then we cut to the little voiceover from Zalara Zindane again. Corvosa will need heroes in the days to come. And it has just found them. I have found them. Mm-hmm. And then we cut into the present day. Yes. <laughs> and the prologue ends. Finally. Yeah, we can play. <laughs> it was an awesome prologue. <laughs> I know, I know. It was, it was awesome. Long. It was awesome. But it was People were quicker at playing and building your characters. Oh, Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't got spells yet, I'm <laughs> crying out loud. <laughs> <so long. laughs> Susan, this is why it takes a long, long time. I know. <laughs> I know. I just haven't run down my spells yet. You're a low-level bard. You can't have all that many. <laughs> Apparently, you don't have any size either. I mean, oh. yeah, okay. Uh, you want the um, you want the Call of Cthulhu rules where size is actually an attribute that you have. And it says basically it's size 18, you're incredibly tall, incredibly fat, or both. Oh, here's um, my spells. Okay, and each, each of them has at, si- at, at stat 18, you're this, and at stat 0, you're this. And it has, you know, an investigator with strength 0 is a helpless cripple unable Stop to lift their own weight who can't even stand yeah. up. And an investigator spells. with size yeah. 0 has or, disappeared or, or, or no one to wear. Lulu, if I may ask. Uh... That's based on um, the PCs are somewhere between like minimum eight, maximum eighteen. Cthulhu is eight hundred. Right, that gives some idea. So. Yeah, yeah, and Cthulhu's stats in that are um, his attack is his attack is listed as tentacle strike, a hundred percent chance to hit. Damage kills one d three investigators. <laughs> Doesn't he drive like? 
yeah, even first if she gets you, insane just first by you it. make a will save to see if Cthulhu drives you insane so basically you've definitely lost is that the scenario yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be anywhere near Cthulhu right, that's mm. pretty much how I've mean, got one of my D&D role playing posters on my computer is um Got a, a, a poster of stats for Cthulhu, and underneath it has just because it has stats doesn't mean you can kill it. <laughs> My favorite one is um, because he rises from Ryleth under the sea. Yeah, it's Aquaman controls all the creatures of the deep. He's <laughs> <laughs> riding Cthulhu. Oh, <laughs> then, uh, then the question becomes: Do we want to start into the next bit? Uh, um, I, yeah, I'd say yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. I have the arrow cards. To. Then we cut to present day. Ooh. Yeah. Teleportation. Um, and you, at this point, um, the last anyone has seen of Gadron Lamb, uh, basically it's it's up, purely up to you as characters whether you would be actively avoiding him or actively seeking him out. I imagine it would be one of the two. I'm, I'm actively avoiding him. Actively avoiding. Actively seeking him out. You're, uh, you're I've, got, I've got my ear to the ground, but I'm yeah. not actively seeking him out. So, um, he, he doesn't care about... Yeah, about, but Rolf, about, Rolf more in your case, Gadrin as a conduit yeah. to Rolf. Yeah, yeah, so I'm just kind of like... Uh, I mean, Gadrin has screwed you over a bit as well. But yeah, like he's not as worried about that as he is more Rolf. Is just okay. like, he's just a little weird. Yeah, so... For one reason or another, you were basically all keeping your ears to the ground, either for the purposes of pursuing or for the purposes of avoiding the lambs. Yep. Um, You know, basically, Gadron Lamb has gone to ground after the incident at the Academy just disappeared off the map. So has Rolf. The last time he has had the incident was two months ago at the cafe. Um, Pilt's Lamb, Gadron's other son, is a completely accessible person who works in Old Corvosa at a horrible playhouse slash museum called Exemplary Exemplary Excretables, where they specialise in... uh, It's the kind of people that make Saw as movies. It's it's very much hardcore pornography and torture porn and that sort of thing. Uh, One of their great claims is that, you know, their actors really bleed on stage and this sort of thing. I don't think any characters here would be particularly interested. Nonetheless, you you are aware of the guy. He does not have a... um, a, he, he openly is known to have an actively hostile relationship with Gadron, so you would expect him to know nothing. If you have gone and poked him, which you're welcome to, he knows nothing. Yeah. Um, he will eye... If Lucy goes to poke him, he will eye you up repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to go there. He doesn't, he doesn't actually hit on you or make a move on you at all. He just looks you up and down like he's measuring a cup of meat. Oh, yeah. Um, in any case, you have been keeping an ear out for Gadron, and... But nothing has particularly come up. And, you know, there was the incident of the fire, there was a little incident of heroism, and then you've more or less gone back about your days. And I think that we will start here with Jack, given that she was the last one out. Yay! Um, So, Jack, you are in a quiet corner of the academy. You have just been been working away... um, on one of your jobs, we are actually doing your job cleaning yep. as opposed to... Um, <laughs> yeah, I do periodically actually clean things so that it will be clear that I do work here. And then you're basically on your lunch break. You've snuck off into a very quiet, isolated corner in one of the disused rooms uh, where you pull out your spell book and start going through it to study your theorems. And 
you sort of tucked it away in your bag this morning up from your little hut in the shingles mm-hmm. um, and haven't looked at it since. It, the bag has not necessarily been out of your sight, but you certainly haven't been staring at the spell book repeatedly. Yeah, I've got my pretend spell book. I can't see where I put my real spell book. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you open it up, um, there is a harrow card sitting oh. within it. This harrow card, specifically. The locksmith. The locksmith. Oh, cool. cool. That was your last card, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> and something has been written on the back of the card here. And the, the card you received is literally exactly this. I'm not going to write on there and have my cards, obviously. And when you turn it over, in a fair hand, something is written. It says, I know what Gadrin has done to you. He has wronged me as well. I know where he dwells, yet I cannot strike at him alone. Come to my home at Three Lancet Street at sunset. Others like you will be there. Gadrin must face his fate, and justice must be done. Uh, you actually have you are actually engaged with the Harrow cards, aren't you? You've had Harrow yes. readings. You know what they're about. Yes. Um. I, I, Flora's grand Flora's grandmother has done several for me. Okay. So this will make you blink a couple of times. Uh, you know the locksmith is the lawful neutral card of dexterity. It represents the keys the subject needs to unlock their fate. Ooh. And. You don't actually get that card to say, but you can write down uh, the locksmith is your chosen harrow card. Okay, uh, I will explain how this this mechanic works a little later. But basically, for every adventure, there is a suit of the round. So for every adventure, your your card will change. Mm-hmm. The suit of the first adventure is dexterity, mm-hmm. and Jack's card is the locksmith. Well, so we don't get to choose our card this time. No. Last time we did this, we oh, had to right, choose our hero No, because you actually have six of them on the course of the game. Okay. Yeah, no, 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 that, that makes sense. And then I'm, I'm just going to cut on for the next one. Yeah, no, that's fine. Right. Basically. Um, Flora, you are sitting in your shop performing a hero reading for an actual customer. <laughs> um, you go up to get them some tea at their request, you know, pour the tea, you come back down, um, you flip the next card over... And sitting one card down on your deck under the one you've just flipped is a different harrow card from a different deck. Each one has slightly different artwork, different styles, those things. Clearly doesn't belong to you. It's been shuffled into your deck somewhere. Um, and is the lawful good card of dexterity. It represents the complicated framework of rules that requires the cooperation of all those around them involved cooperating to avoid collapse. Those represented by the dance stay in perfect step, knowing their place in the universe. Nice. Uh, 
And it has the same note on the back of it? It, ha- it has exactly the same note on the back of it. Um, so Written in what will prove to be the same hand. A qu- question? Yes. Do I recognise the address on the card? Is it in fact the house that Flor- Florence and I went to for our horror reading? Um, it, as it will transpire, yes it is. You, I don't know that you would necessarily know that off the top of your head. It, possibly not, but I would recognise the street when we got close. Yeah, certainly when you get there, you'll yep. realise it um, pretty much immediately. Um... We'll take the card and put it fine. Stealthily put it aside. And continue with the customers right here already. Garen, you are working away at the forge. Um, your business is now back up. It's booming again. You're doing very well for yourself once again. But there's always just these little things, these reminders of the fire. And at this point... It's you're working on a particularly complicated metal hook joint, and you go, ah, you know, I need my specialist tongs for this. You go to get them, and then you go, ah, right, you know, I only use these once a year or so, and I haven't needed them since then. And, you know, what you, you pick them up, and they're still actually okay because they're hard forged metal, they're not going to melt, but they have little burn and soot marks on them. And you've got to actually go off and fetch them because you'd pack them away, so you put them out what you're working on, you go off. You fetch them, you look sadly at it and think, look around, you know, your building is back, but that doesn't change the year that you spent rebuilding it and everything you lost. You are thinking of Griff here, as you sometimes do. You have not seen Hyde nor hear of him in two years. You have no idea where he is, if he ever left town, got away, died, whatever, he is just off the map. Mm. And thinking about this slightly mourning the past, you come back to the anvil... And sitting there on the anvil is a harrow card. Mm-hmm. I mean, someone could have easily put it in. You've been out for three, four minutes at this point. Uh, and the harrow card is this, the crows. Ooh. Ooh. Um, Garen almost certainly doesn't know this, but it is the neutral evil card of dexterity. It represents murder, theft, and the violent loss of that which is loved. Aww. Mm. Um, You have been looking for lamb. Looking everywhere. Now, do you actually have a particularly high streetwise skill at all? No. Okay. So, you are not the sort of person that has contacts on the street. That was no part of your background. You know, you've asked around about lamb, of course, but you've got the suspicion you just don't know the right people to ask. And after another day of sort of you know, working away in, in the potion shop, searching when you can in your spare time. You are back once again looking through Septimus's old papers for some clue, some hint, something that you've missed. You've got in your little room, you have piles of them all over your desk, and you're shuffling them around, and <coughs> there is a small noise, and something falls out of it. A harrow card. Even though you don't follow Harry, you'd recognise what it is yeah. immediately. It's like working out what a tarot deck yeah. is in the real world. It looks like this. Oh, it is called peacock. the Peacock. Uh, and again, on the back, I know what Gadron has done to you. He must face his fate and justice must be done after such and such street. I mean, I'm not reading the same. No, it fucked yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, no good stuff. Um, Lu- Lucy, of course, doesn't know this. The Peacock is the neutral card of dexterity. It represents a great beauty but one that can only be preserved if it is frozen in place. Oh. Oh. It is not necessarily a good thing. 
That's personal. Well, and for Silver Rose, we have the Super Peacock. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Smoke inhalation again. (laughs) Finally, we come to Silver Rose, and you are busking on the side of the street again, Mm. hat out. Um, you were getting very, both very into your song and eyeing up that pretty girl across the street who's smelling pie, who's selling pies, who keeps looking back at you mm-hmm. and, you know, winking and... You've got pies, I like you. She's listening to the music. So you, your attention is both on the song and on the girl and not really on what's going on yeah. in front of you. And you hear the noises that you're familiar with mostly in your ear. You hear chink in the hat, chink in the hat, chink in the hat, a sort of whoosh, tunk in the hat. Followed a moment later by a chink in the hat. And it's only like a minute later you think, oh, that was a weird noise. I wonder if somebody's, like, people, there's no such thing as paper money script here. You could mm-hmm. have, you have what are effectively credit notes for the bank, but nobody would mm-hmm. throw them in a busker's hat. Mm-hmm. So you could go to the bank of Avatar and claim the five copper pieces he's giving you. Yeah. People would throw you coins. In there, under a couple of coins, there is a harrow card. Oh. It is the Rabbit Prince. Yeah. <laughs> um, The Rabbit Prince is the chaotic neutral card of dexterity. It represents the vicissitudes of merely combat, the personification of capriciousness in battle. A broken sword indicating defeat can come to anyone, no matter how brave or skilled. The card sometimes represents younger members of royal or noble houses. And Silver might or might not know that, depending on his interest in harrowing. Uh, he's got a slight interest. Yeah, certainly you're, you're more likely to know it than Lucy who thinks it's all bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And you pick it up and again there is this note on the back of I know what Gadron has done to you. He has wronged me as well. I know where he dwells but cannot strike at him alone. Come to my home at Three Lancet Street at sunset. Others okay. like you will be there. Gadron must face its fate and justice must be done. I imagine you've never actually studied Harrow but you dated a girl who did at the time. I think Nakoda would also know a little bit about it, wouldn't he? It's Verizzi and not Sean. No, it's Verizzi. He'd actually probably know slightly less about it than the average man. Yeah, okay, no, that's cool. Uh, Yeah, my character... But but you've, I think, said in your backstory that you hang out with Verizians a bit and stuff as well. Yeah, I I hang out with all sorts. Yeah, so you've probably had a Harrow reading a time or two. You might not Mm. have memorised the meaning of every card. It's at least as known a thing as I would expect the players to know what a tarot deck is. You flip Mm. cards, it tells your fortune in some way that you don't necessarily understand. And you could probably name four or five cards off the top of your head and maybe what one or two of them stand for. And so we see everybody looking at these notes and then and sort of hmm and the camera cuts away to three lap caption comes up three Lancet Street Corvosa where it is of course that same dingy shop with the harrow cards in the deck and we just hear the voice of it begins (laughs) dun 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 nice yep well we can keep going if you want to but um, yeah no that's a good that's a good conclusion it's just you know Wow. First card I get and it's evil. Not even lawful evil. It's oh, that's, that's, that's going to happen all the time. I know, I the know. The thing it's is, just, um, it's just interesting. The cards are about what the, about some aspect of you that they represent. Yeah. And um, I think in this case it's the thing that happened to you. Yeah. As opposed to necessarily yeah. anything to do with your alignment that. Now, the way you're actually meant to do them, which is not what I did for this one, is do them at random. 
Oh. Where you get them out and then define what the characters, what it means to the characters. Yeah. I may actually end up doing that in the next one because um, it's not just about what's happened to you, it's also about things that will happen to you because the GM, of course, can psychically tell the future. Yeah. Yeah. So I may do that for the next one, but for the first one I decided I'd um, stack it deliberately yeah. and theme it. Uh, the mechanic for this is basically... Um, I'll explain it as we get there, but it is effectively the GM is going to do Harrow readings for every player at the table, and I will be doing them blindly and at random, where I don't know what the cards coming up are, and then interpret them based on the past of your characters, the present of your characters, and what I know to be the future of your characters. So, and and that then generates bonus points for you that you can spend on rerolls and this and that and the other thing, uh, mostly dexterity-focused things in the first adventure. So that will be interesting.